Hello and welcome to a special bumper episode uh, of Angelcast. This is episode 10. Happy New Year. Um, with yeah, that. Happy New Year. Right? Happy New um, Year. In this episode, um, in Match Play, Alex is going to be talking to uh, Paul from Bastion Games about the upcoming team event in Northern Ireland, Ulster Warlords at Bastion Game. That we're yeah, looking forward to hearing All about. of us are going to, and Donal's also in the Donal team. That's the other one. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, of course. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there may be drops. Yeah, that is that is something we'll cover next week, but not this time, not quite yet. Not quite yet. In narrative, we're going to be talking about the cycle two of the Necromunda campaign, Angel's Canopy. Um, we played the well, we had the day of playing out the cycle about four or five weeks ago now. So Adam and I will be giving you a breakdown of that, um, as well as giving you a very exciting announcement, um, uh, hot off the press. Um, Angelcast, i.e. me, have teamed up with Games, and we'll be bringing you the Necromunda GT at the LGT in September. More details to follow that in the segment. Amazing. Uh, in open, we've then got a very special segment today. Woo! Uh, we're sat here with how many hosts are we currently at? <laughs> Wait, what, seven. Seven, seven. Seven hosts. So you've got at least your bang for your buck on this episode. So uh, <laughs> we are currently... <laughs> That's true. Are right. you keeping all the royalties? Because I've never seen Penny One, mate. <laughs> I am. Um, so we're currently sat around the D&D table, ready to go against Strahd. So we're about to record that as a very special segment. So around the table, we've got... I got Kieran, Andy, Owen, Adam, Alex, Mo, and myself running as the games master or dungeon master, depending on your on your tone of voice or whether Mo tells me off or not. Um, so we are playing. Uh, do you want to just go through and do a character name and your class, and yeah. then we can and then we can start with Kieran. Oh great, yeah, no pressure. Um, okay, so uh, my name's Kieran, but I'll be playing the character Braylon. Uh, Braylon is a rogue, more on the thief uh, element of rogue. Um, As is Andy, I'm playing a melee-focused ranger by the name of Kazan. This is Owen, I'm playing the mighty Boswell, saviour of, maiden, <laughs> of maidens and priests, and I'm a sorcerer who delves in fire magic. Um, I'm Adam, I'm playing Moriano, uh, who is a tiefling paladin, um, who you may not know is an Oathbreaker Paladin and uh, various titles like Keeper of Pies and Golem Smasher. Um, I'm a Protection Paladin. Uh, this is Alex. I will be playing a rogue cleric uh, by the name of Corsonarian, uh, who is a human base build, but for the purposes of this campaign is actually a Mongol folk um, with some cool sort of climbing abilities as well. I'm Mo. I'm playing a wood elf rogue. Uh, with special ability of being able to pay my way out of anything. <laughs> <laughs> cool, so you'll get to hear all of those guys in the open play segment later. Well, let's go on to match. Hi everyone and welcome to the match play section of this week's Angelcast. I'm here with Paul Ray. Say hi Paul. Hello guys. How's awesome. Going? Uh, going really well man, how are you? Yeah, all good here. I'm enjoying the, the lovely sunny weather. Uh, indeed. Again, I, we, said, we said this in the... Uh, uh, it, when we were chatting before, but I sense you're lying about the weather, my friend. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Uh, <laughs> I would never do such a thing. <laughs> so we're here, um, as, we, as we'd already described in the intro, we're here to talk about the upcoming Ulster Warlords event, uh, the Underworld Wars, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, super excited, our end of the pond. Exactly. And this is going to be running from the 2nd to the 3rd of February this year, so very, very close, and I've still got a shitload of painting to do. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, Angelcast have a team, myself, uh, Matt Hinton and Adam, and also the infamous uh, Grot Donald Taylor. Uh, so... <laughs> And so we thought, as we're coming across, we'd, we'd get yourself on, man, talk a little bit about yourself, talk about the event, and, um, and, and tell the listeners what it's all about. So, um, so, so over to you, Paul. Who are you, and uh, what's going on, man? Yeah, absolutely, guys. Well, um, Paul Ray, as you introduced me, <laughs> um, basically I, I, I uh, became hooked on, on Warhammer at a young age, as we all did. Uh, and after a long 15-year break from the hobby, I basically got back into things last year and uh, well year before december of 2017 okay so you so didn't you didn't have that um so you didn't have that gap through your teen years and then pick it back up at uni when you realized it was okay to be an individual <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, much later so uh, a bit of a midlife crisis perhaps <laughs> fair enough <laughs> yeah so really um Pretty quickly after getting back into the swing of things, uh, I seen really the the potential of the community here mm. in Northern Ireland and indeed Southern Ireland, uh, and thought you know the model the guys are using across the mainland. Well, there's no reason we can't have that sort of thing here. So really established ourselves with the Ulster Open last summer, mm-hmm. uh, which was my first my first toe dip into a GT style format. Uh, we had a turnout of about 28 guys, which was fantastic for here at that point. Uh, and really then looked and said, right, where can we go from here? Uh, and from that, Ulster Warlords was born, uh, which is going to be our annual team event, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, as it stands, we have 14 teams. Originally, we'd envisage 12 teams, uh, but due to demand, which was awesome, uh, we now have 14 teams, half of which are travelling from England, Southern Ireland, and Wales. It's fantastic. So we're really starting to see that the community start to grow in Belfast. Well, it's, well, in Northern Ireland, but obviously specifically to Belfast for the sake of travel, right? So, Yeah, no, so, I mean, if there, there tends to be, there's pockets of players across the country, and really th- this is about bringing them together, I suppose, uh, and really, you know, establishing what we already have here and putting ourselves on the map. That's the plan, anyway. Fantastic, fantastic. I mean, you know, I think Warham has always been such a great community, regardless of what addition or or system that you're playing and so to, to have that growing anywhere and to have somebody at the forefront of it as well is wicked man yeah i mean we were super excited i mean we had uh, we have two clubs here on the, the island of ireland there was the tabletop tavern which is Peter mm-hmm. pratt uh, and his committee uh, and then mick wendell in wicklow just mm-hmm. south of dublin so i mean the, the work those guys have done has been phenomenal mm-hmm. uh, across the last couple of years and really bastian games is uh sort of biannual forum to, to bring the best of both worlds together uh, and really knock out uh, a large-scale event, I suppose. So Bastion Games is um, uh, your side business with, with Colin, um, and you guys have only just recently set up, if I've understood that correctly? Yeah, pretty much with Colin and myself. It's Colin Cochran, yeah. for those of you listening. Um, I have looked at 
hopefully establishing an actual physical presence at some time in the next year mm -hmm. or two, depending on how things go. So, so really what we want is a, a premises for large-scale events uh, at a shop front uh, at some point in 2019 slash 2020. So this is really our, this is our flagship. This is where we're starting to put ourselves out there and see just exactly what we can handle and the interest we can drum up. Amazing, amazing. Well, we're more than happy to oblige by coming across and, and joining in, man. So, Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to have you. Um, so on that note, moving on to the event itself, it's, uh, it's obviously, as you said, a team event. Um, I myself have never been to a team event, and I understand one of the, the, the kind of subtle uh, consider not subtle at all, sorry, one of the main kind of tactical considerations is obviously the matching. Um, yeah. And we've we've covered the Six Nations at which you you played in uh, for Team Northern Ireland. Um, the Six Nations just gone in twenty eighteen. Um, yeah. So, w what have you done for the, for the whole matching piece? What's your, what was your theory? What did you? How did you want this to work? Uh, really, Alex, what we did when we sat down, we had a look at um, the success of events prior to ours. So, really, we the model we've used is is based quite heavily on the blood tithe. Uh, model from 2018 okay yeah 2018 so we had a, a few guys traveled over to that last year uh, and really really enjoyed themselves so we thought don't fix what's not broken yeah uh, and we really have looked at that that four player team scenario uh, the reason we went for four players is because initially we thought it might be more scalable because we didn't know how much interest we were going to have at that outset we thought 12 teams was going to be a huge stretch at that point mm -hmm. uh, 48 players because Essentially, I don't know 48 players here in Northern Ireland. <laughs> uh, we have a group, a good core group of about 30 guys. Mm -hmm. So we thought, right, we'll really push for the 48. But obviously, the way things have went, uh, uh, the demand has been outstanding. We had to turn away teams in the end, which is a both a good and bad complaint to have, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, I guess with a view of growing the event going forward, that's the best possible position to be in, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the current venue uh, as as outstanding as it is, uh, we used the same venue for the Open mm -hmm. GT last year. Really, really good uh, venue, but unfortunately, their largest wedding suite is at capacity with the 56. Okay, okay. Uh, so no room for any other tables, unfortunately. Or <laughs> we would have uh, we would have been quite happy to to yeah push it a little further. To oblige, that's understandable, man. So coming coming back onto the onto the pairing system, how 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 does that work then? So your, your team captains have got their four lists in front of them, i.e. their own, and their three their three teammates. What uh, what process yeah. do they go through for their matchup? Uh, matchups uh, are outlined well in advance in the pack for guys. Uh, the reason being, we we appreciate some people haven't been to a team event before, and yeah. I'm not sure of the format. So. For any of the captains or players listening in, uh, make sure you get a, a good thorough read through of the pairings. And we will uh, absolutely. <laughs> sorry, sorry to talk over you, dude, uh, but I was just going to say we will absolutely post a link to the pack as well, just for any of those who's interested, even if you're not uh, participating. Yeah, sure. So, uh, so really, I suppose a, a run through, Alex, of the way the the pairings will work. The captains will have four cards with their team members and armies on them, and you've got uh, some beautiful cards printed, haven't you? Yeah, we, we have a few uh, that we used last year. Lovely. Um, a couple of guys do graphic design, which is great. It makes my life <laughs> easy. <laughs> and cheap. Uh, yeah, and cheap, <laughs> absolutely. More important than that. Uh, so really, the 
there was an additional pack published, which was the mission outlines for the tournament. Uh, I went for a completely different structure than anything I think that's been used at an event so far in the UK that I'm aware of. Um, basically, uh, the first team captain will roll the mission for tables one and two mm-hmm. uh, within their matchup. The mission will be one of three uh, in each round, and mm-hmm. I, I have carefully, I think, selected those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I will also publish the or post you the link for that. Uh, Alex, to have a look. Okay. Uh, and really, it's each of the missions has a, a short bit of fluff, really, to go with it, and um, just to add a bit of theme, a bit of narrative to the event, uh, as well as obviously the the tournament play element. Lovely, lovely. I'm always a fan uh, of so that. Yeah, just, just, yeah. And I also haven't played through the the 18 we, we went for a full mix of the 18 match play scenarios between the general's handbook and the core rules mm-hmm. i think some of the missions are dare i say a redundant game um a lot of the feedback from from some of those missions has been it doesn't make for an enjoyable uh, scenario okay uh, and also some of them are very very similar okay i suppose is that, um, for example, would, is that uh, ones that have maybe instant victory conditions? Is that the kind of thing you're referring to? Yeah, maybe not so even much. So I think there's obviously the, the old knife to the heart, yeah. uh, which is very similar in play style, if I could remember the name of it, would help, uh, if you bear with me. Knife to the heart was a home and away, wasn't it? But an instant yeah, win if you so control you both. playing for the minor, yeah. uh, very, very hard, I suppose, to, yeah. to major on it. Yeah. Uh, and could be quite basically a bunker-up game and really play it out for kill points to take the minor. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was it was really a case of, of picking the scenarios. I'm sorry, that the name of the other scenario has totally slipped my head. Yeah, that's fine, Paul. If basically, I was even vaguely prepared, I'd have the rule book in front of me as well, and I haven't. <laughs> so. Uh, so, yeah, really uh, looked carefully at the match play scenarios and... Um, and put them into five brackets for one for each round, mm-hmm. um, and you have a choice of of three really within that. Uh, so, captain one will roll for tables one and two, and then the second team captain on the opposing side will roll the mission for tables three and four. Mm-hmm. Uh, at that point, uh, each captain will select their first defender, so they will take one of their cards, uh, place it face down in the table in front of them. Uh, the opposition will do the same. Once that's done, both captains will reveal their first defender simultaneously. So they, you will have two armies essentially on the table in front of you. Uh, from your opposition's defender, you will then pick two of your remaining three cards as potential attackers for that that army. Okay. Uh, so, for instance, if you were to pop down your Nurgle mm-hmm. uh, as your first defender. Uh, I might look at my stronger matchups from the list there uh, to, to put down to play them. Conversely, if you've had a look at your opponent's lists, uh, you might want to hold back on your strongest matchup uh, versus Nurgle in favour of maybe putting one of your stronger lists out against one of the opposition's stronger lists that maybe is still in their hand, for instance. So there yeah. is there's a whole element of tactical um, pairing involved. You see, uh, that's very much. You see, this is what I'm worried about because I'm concerned about being the guy who's persistently thrown under the bus, uh, being <laughs> uh, being as I am probably the weakest tactical player out of the out of the four of us. But yeah, um, but that's yeah. fine. I'm happy to be the four guy. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, that, that was very much me at Six Nations. Um, I, I was bossed quite happy too. Uh, and unfortunately, 
Uh, again, part of the reason and thinking around the, the mix of scenarios, I managed to play Relocation Orb three times in one weekend uh, uh, under the bus. So uh, it wasn't uh, uh, not a particularly strong matchup for the list I brought. Uh, um, yeah, so it was it was quite a it was a tedious crawl at some stages, <laughs> but but on the whole, very enjoyable nonetheless. Uh, I'm as I said, I'm only joking. I can't wait just to play a load of, <laughs> load of cool games with a load of cool people. So that that's uh, that's that's what it's all about. Um, yeah. Awesome, man. So coming on to lists. So you're kind of my hero at the moment because <laughs> I personally believe that um i appreciate we have lots of lovely new battle tomes and and very much have a a very shiny beautiful new one coming out uh almost as we speak but we also do have pointed compendium war scrolls out there and i have written a list it's no secret i've spoken on the cast that i'm painting an iron bark war grove and uh for my silver neth and I found some really cool combos with some with some Compendium Duradin that still have, or Dwarfs, I should say, that still have points. And um, I like the idea of being able to use those until they become Legacy, because we've always been told that Legacy is now the end point. And yeah. you appear to share my opinion. Um, talk, talk me through how you, talk me through your, your attitude towards the Compendium. Yeah, I guess... Um Obviously, as a as a more mature player, should I say, um, <laughs> I I remember the heyday of uh, of Warhammer and its early early iterations. Um, so a big fan of, of you know still still clinging to some of the old factions, as it were. Mm-hmm. Um, I still uh, very much love to see a player putting down an army entirely from one faction. Um, mixed order is one of my particular gripes, but we'll not get into that uh, today. You're not you're not a Grand uh, Alliance fan. Or you just think yeah, it's a little bit not, too. Not a big Grand Alliance fan. Okay. Um, I, I can see the arguments for and against, but I don't know. It, it's just a a personal gripe, I suppose. Um, I think it I, comes I like down to, to I think it comes down to your hobby attitude as well, right? Because my my thing about mixed Grand Alliance is that they never, on the surface, appear to to be good hobby projects to me. Apart from, and the person who's changed my mind is actually Adam, when he did his Living yeah. City. Uh, because I always, as a purist, I wanted, as you said, I wanted to see like a, a faction, like a, a purely linked faction, all down, and, and quite often mixed armies look. They just don't look very thematic to me. Yeah, I, I, I suppose the, from a personal point of view, it, it's pretty cool if the army has been built specifically for that purpose with a list in mind and it's obviously it looks cohesive and has a good paint scheme which ties in nicely mm. and is based obviously the same uh, but it, what i don't like to see i suppose at the table is armies which have clearly been cherry picked from from different factions the basing is all different the paint mm. scheme looks like it is different factions mm. uh, again that's probably purely an aesthetic thing uh, to, to look at um oh, we do yeah, a very aesthetic hobby yeah, absolutely. But uh, in terms of the actual compendium scrolls, mm. Alex, I, I really made the decision based on the fact that more so than a than a GT, I, I think team events have the potential to be super competitive, mm-hmm. but also super fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it adds a the team dynamic holds a, holds a whole different level of sort of fun and interaction that you maybe don't get at a singles event. Uh, and on top of that, I suppose I wanted to see cool combinations. You know, things that maybe are a bit off the wall. That we're maybe not seeing in the current meta, 
a team event. If you go in there to have a bit of fun, roll some dice, play some games, it's the perfect forum to, to bring that sort of list. So I suppose I didn't want to limit anybody. Mm. Um, you know, we've we seen some of the, the early tournament packs last year when AOS 2 dropped, which really put a limit on certain armies. Um, there was obviously the, the sort of Crocnado, which got hit. There was limits on summoning and some of the packs. I've seen some of the packs where summoned units had to be actually they had to have a physical presence so you couldn't resummon a unit that you'd lifted off the board so I think it, it really tried to curb certain armies based on players perceptions of, of how the meta was settling I didn't want to do that, I wanted to leave it totally open uh, totally open forum mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I knew it, it might be quite nice to see a, a list such as yourself that, that can rock up uh, and really surprise an opponent because they might not have a clue what it does or remember what it does so, uh, yeah, and the old models, you know, some of the old models are still gorgeous. They still very much have a place. Um, as a Legions of Nagash player, I, I'm still shedding tears over the, the loss of Tomb Kings as a faction. Oh, I completely agree. So, yeah, very, yeah, you know, so much potential. Yeah. Um, as a faction, I thought, uh, I, I know, aesthetically, again, just really, really, some really, really nice models, some really cool background. Uh, so it's a real shame that some of those legacy lines are, are now dying off. Mm. Um, yeah, I, 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 I know I, that's a... Sorry, go on. Yeah, sorry. No going ahead, Alex. Yeah, sorry, it's re- uh, just for the, for the listeners, we don't have the video calling on, uh, so it's uh, there's no eye concepts in the studio, so I keep talking over, uh, over Paul, so apologies. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was going to say, I completely agree with you. Like, I... Um, I, I I just like the idea that there's still some really cool combinations out there that I don't think perceivably any of them would ever be like meta changing, but they might just take somebody by surprise and might just give somebody a game that they weren't anticipating, and that that's why I think it's a shame that they're getting comped out um, of a lot of other packs. So uh, my hats off to you, sir, for allowing me to bring. Uh, I, I will reveal it. I'm bringing an anvil of doom in a in an iron bark wardrobe, um, and uh, I'm I, I, and I've also got a really cool conversion plan for it and stuff. And that's mainly what I was excited about. It was somebody not. Yeah. It was somebody telling me that I can't use my toys. I think was the was 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 uh, my the, the root of my rage rather than me thinking it's a bent combination. Um, yeah. So I don't know. Um, I suppose probably on that, um, Alex. One of the, the subtleties in the pack that um, I'm sure most of the captains will have picked up on. Uh, the majority of team events don't allow duplicates. Um, Sorry, Paul, you cut out there. Six nations. Sorry, Paul. The line uh, went a little the, bit bad. There. The majority of again? yeah. You get me okay? To getting you okay. Sorry, dude. Carry on. Yeah. Cool. No worries. Uh, the majority of sort of four-man team events don't allow duplicate allegiances. Um, again, I have changed that in the pack with the allowance of duplicate allegiances, but just not duplicate units, with the exception of battle line. Um, and really, the reasoning behind that was again, who's to say we won't get a, a really thematic team that could bring essentially an entire chaos faction um, to the event? Um, you know, again, just sort of cool combinations, cool themes. Uh, there, are, there is a coolest army award. Um, at the event too so it's really to encourage those sort of cool hobby projects painting projects and, and something that looks really really good out across the four tables 
when the teams are playing. So uh, again, just a small change, but uh, and one that we're testing the water with. Yeah. But uh, I think it definitely allows for for some pretty cool armies. Fantastic, and uh, we're a big fan of Coolest Army Awards at Angel Cast as well because we we think that people shouldn't just be rewarded for painting, but they should be reward rewarded for for themes and conversions and and kind of you know uh, modelling and things like that as well. So it's really awesome to see. Um, Absolutely. I, I was also been uh, I was reading through the pack obviously before the interview because I'm a I'm a professional um, journalist um, and. I was picking up on your secondaries and secondaries is something that we've spoken about a lot on the cast because Matt Hinton in particular is very much of the opinion that he won't go to an event now unless there are secondary objectives. Um, So I thought maybe you could talk, uh, talk us through your, your choice of secondary objectives and, and, and how you see them creating a little bit more of a competitive edge at the event. Yeah, absolutely. Well, probably the, the first thing to mention on that point then, Alex, would be the first tiebreaker at the event. We've we've opted for secondaries. So so outside of your major minor uh, points accumulation, it, it will be straight to um, secondary objective points uh, in the first tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason we've done that, we found with our own events, plus obviously playing across the water that it holds, it holds uh, or adds an entire layer of additional tactical thinking uh, and can really change a whole game plan. Uh, in terms of their importance within the scoring of the pack, um, again, the, the secondaries are decided after the matchups are made, after the pairings are made, uh, and the matchups decided, you, you will assign your secondaries uh, secretly to up to four members of the team, mm-hmm. but a minimum of two. So, so you can essentially give a player two secondaries uh, and another player one each, for instance, mm-hmm. uh, and somebody with with none. The reason it adds a whole tactical element um, in terms of the overall score of the team. Individual players are capped at thirty points per tournament round. Okay. So essentially, what it means is the, the major win will cap you for the round. But if you have a player has maybe a bad matchup or has been thrown under the bus. Um, and they know that they're they're really in for a minor loss or, or a major loss. It can really give them so much more to play for. So even a redundant matchup essentially uh, is really worth playing out for the second race because overall it, it will push your your team scoring up. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and, so and it gives and it gives yeah. that person the game as well, right? You know that that's the most important thing. If you, if you know you've been thrown under the bus, you've still got something to play for. Yeah, absolutely. And, and in terms of the actual second race themselves. Because they, they are so important in terms of the tournament scoring uh, at Warlords, we've made them similar to a lot of secondaries you'll maybe see out there at events, but maybe just a little bit more difficult um, in terms of the sort of stipulations around them. So Slay the Warlord or Slay the General is a typical secondary. We see at quite a lot of events. It's usually kill the enemy general throughout the course of the battle. Uh, in the case of Warlords, it's actually kill the enemy general before battle round two. So it, it adds a a whole new layer of, um, of maybe urgency and thinking around how you're going to play the game out mm-hmm. to, to score that. So, yeah, um, again, just we, we thought um, it, it can be pretty convoluted when you, you start getting past, I think, 40 or 50 players at an event uh, and the, the, the scoring margins are so tight or identical. Um, what better way to separate them than with actual tactical play? Um, yeah, I'm not absolutely. really in favour of kill points. Because some lists are designed to, to table opponents uh, and do a massive amount of damage, mm-hmm. uh, not looking at you, witch elves. Um, <laughs> other, <Yeah>. ar- <laughs> other armies can score 
a major victory and not dish out a lot of damage, whether that's down to board control or the player's play style. Uh, and I don't think those guys should be any less rewarded uh, just because their list isn't built around um, lifting points off the board. So yeah, damage, secondly, yeah. I think, is the, the in-between ground there. Yeah, uh, no, that's that's really great logic. I think you're, you're right. I mean, AOS seems to be going that direction where you either go hard on dealing damage or you are just about commanding the board and tactical movement. And if you're spending yeah. your entire game moving tactically, chances are you're not doing damage. And to have yeah. and to have a pack that just solely uh, that you know heavily rewards doing damage, it, it, it doesn't always mean that certain armies are particularly well rewarded for how they're actually designed to play. So I yeah. so no I completely agree. I think you've you've done a great job there. Um and uh so that was Slay the Warlords, right? And then we've got uh we've got the, the line breaker uh so finish the game with two or more points, uh two or more units in enemy territory. Um yeah, again that's up from the, the standard sort of one that we tend to see. Um, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so uh, again, just that additional element, and uh, great for me with tree revs. So I'll be hoping to get that one. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Um, slaughter them. Uh, destroy any three enemy battle line units. I like that. I like that because you've got to get stuck in for that as well. Um, yeah. But also, what battle? I mean, battle line such a, a varied term these days, isn't it? As well, it's not. Uh, so. And uh, yeah. and then against the odds, destroy an enemy, but. Behemoth, I can't pronounce that word apparently, uh, with a battle line unit in the combat <laughs> phase. Well, your witch elves are clean up on that one, I'm sure. Yeah, that's that's definitely to their favour. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, man, uh, just throwing it back over to you. Uh, what, 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 you know, if you were, you know, we wanting to sell the event now to to someone, they've they've, they've just come to they're new to AOS competitive scene. They're looking to pick out a couple of events for the year. What's your USP what, for the listeners? What would you say is is the w- one reason somebody should get themselves over to to Ulster Warlords? Yeah, guys. I guess if if I'm selling the event, I would say it's worth the trip here. Just um, Belfast and Northern Ireland in general is a, a totally different atmosphere to the rest of the UK. It really is a, a unique place, and that shows in the, both the players uh, and the group of guys that we have here. We are ultra committed to building the community and we're very much about community involvement so you'll get a good competitive game here we have some top end players with the likes of Colin Cochran uh, taking Facehammer last year mm-hmm. we, we have some really really competitive gamers but also you're, you're guaranteed a good fun weekend um, as well as plenty of laughs tears and foam sword <laughs> fights on the Saturday evening oh foam sword fights yeah, we've got uh, a sword fighting plan for the Saturday night. So yes. our, our LARP building team are currently knocking together some a variety of weapons um, for, for the Saturday evening entertainment. Can I have a foam mace? <laughs> there, there is a foam mace, actually. Yes, getting <laughs> shotgun, shotgun. That is, that is mine. Uh, awesome. Well, okay, well, no one else is allowed to come now in case they take my foam mace, so that's fine. <laughs> Um, Paul, is there anything else you want to add, man? Uh, is there anything that that stands out in the pack that you really want to that you really want to cover that I may have missed? Uh, again, probably just touching on the fact that uh, as well as as the usual uh, awards for the first, second, third place teams, we also have awards in there for the most sporting team. So we've just taken the the, the most sporting opponent format and rolled that into a, to a team uh, event. So I think that really makes the guys accountable to each other. Amazing. Uh, in terms of of um, 
of really making it enjoyable for not only themselves but their opponents and, and the event as a whole. Um, we've also got the Best Painted Army Award. We have the Coolest Army Award. Mm-hmm. So um, all those sort of little extras as well as the, the Saturday evening entertainment, I suppose. We're, we're trying to make it a little bit different and trying to really put ourselves on the map. So we really look forward to seeing everybody there that's involved. For the guys that couldn't come, um, hopefully next year we will have the capacity for more teams uh, and be able to accommodate. So really, really looking forward to it. Can't wait to have everyone over. Yeah, absolutely. And just for everybody, just for the um, the listeners out there as well, the event's going to be covered by the Honest War Gamer, uh, who I believe Yeah, is- Rob has very kindly agreed to, to come over uh, with some of the team. going to be covering the event. Uh, we've had the discussion around how we're going to we're actually going to be streaming two tables simultaneously mm-hmm. uh, as well as a wandering cam to, throughout the weekend so really really stoked about that uh, it's going to be absolutely amazing fantastic to, to have that uh, that there cool well you never know listeners you may be able to witness me uh, in uh, on Rob stream getting a getting a smash in from somebody else so there we go um, <laughs> I also just want to point out um, that uh, Paul's even gone to the extent of doing a, a terrain errata in the pack, which I love because for about the 15,000th time since I've been part of the Silver Myth chat, there's been a debate about whether you can remove trees and whether you're allowed to go over them and all this sort of stuff. And you've actually just outright uh, defined that as no, you can remove trees, but you're not going over them. So please stop being an ass. Thank Absolutely. you. I suppose the one of one of the sort of later decisions made, Alex, just before we wrap up, um, was the realm rules. We have selected certain realm skip features, uh, but we have opted to go for the full realm spells. Oh, you have? Yeah, I just picked, I'm sorry, I totally picked up on that. No, yeah, thanks for that. <laughs> um, and I, I will admit, I always thought I've been to a couple of events now where that's been the thing. And I'm just really crap at committing all the stuff to, to, to memory. Um, so, and if it's not committed to my memory, then inevitably I don't use it in the game. But I have to say, I think, again, coming back to that point about giving somebody a game that they couldn't necessarily anticipate, um, yeah. having a full selection of spells suddenly opens you up to possibilities that you couldn't have built into your list. And I, and I really like that. Um, yeah, totally. I mean, I'm assuming that was the angle you were going for. Yeah, pretty much that. that. That was one of the reasons, Alex, um, as well as really, I mean, Games Workshop went to the length of, of producing these these realm spells, and I think people have tiptoed around them mm. um, while the meta has been settling. Mm-hmm. I think some of the spells in there have the potential to disrupt. Um, can I say it? It's maybe a controversial statement. I think there's some in there that could disrupt uh, play styles in certain armies, which is great. Um, it really mixes it up. So it's really a, a full-blown dive into to the realm spells uh, and to see how they go. Uh, I think the rules were designed in, in certain respects to work um, very much with the realm rules as they're written. Um, so I, I think as a, as a complete whole, it needs to be something that some of them are overpowered, albeit, but um, I, th- I think they really work quite well with the rules as, as is. Fantastic. Yeah, I, 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 I don't. I think we, you know, as a community, we still need to be playing through these things and, and making decisions and having conversations about it. So to, to have packs that have just not tried to embrace it at all, doesn't necessarily do it justice. So I think it's a great choice, um, and I absolutely. I look forward. As, I'm going to have to go away and learn them now. God damn. 
Um, <laughs> do not worry. Every player will have a, a player pack. Um, thankfully, one of our one of our designer graphic designer guys has kindly agreed to to uh, put together a pack for for each player and across the weekend, which will have the tournament pack, the scoring pack, all of the realmscape features, and the realm spells in one pack for each player. Well, there you go. That's how it's done, man. Absolutely, <laughs> Paul. It's been a pleasure to speak to you. Um, thank you yeah, so much. Very much for me on. Oh no, no worries at all. Thanks so much for coming on to Angelcast. Um, I know that we're all extremely excited to come over. Uh, I've, I've still got to work out how I'm going to get a Lariel in a suitcase, but um, I'm, I'll. Uh, that's that's a me problem. Um, and it'll be it'll be great to hang out. And uh, we also look forward to all the coverage from the Honest War Gamer as well. Yeah. Can't wait. We're nearly there. Four weeks, guys. Okay, absolutely. I know. God, I need to get painting. So, (laughs) on that note, uh, pleasure to speak to you, man. Uh, Take it easy. And if anybody wants to to check out Bastion Games, uh, where where do they go? Yeah, we have a Facebook presence, uh, Bastion Games on Facebook. We also have the Twitter handle, uh, Bastion underscore Games. Um, and that's really at the moment our, our footprint and our presence. Uh, everything we we do, we'll have announcements on there. Everything will be published through the both the uh, Facebook page and the Twitter page. Fantastic. All right. Well, Paul, let's sign off, and I look forward to seeing you in the flesh soon, buddy. Cheers, Alex. Cheers, man. Take care. See ya. Bye. Bye. Hello and welcome to Narrative with Alex and Adam. Hello. Uh, so those of you who have been following us for a while will know that we uh, have been, well we started the Necromunda campaign uh, some time ago, uh, known as Angels Fall. We did. Good, I was uh, waiting for him to acknowledge that, sorry. I was, sorry there was yeah. a gap there, you were checking your phone. I um, was loading the Yak Tribe website. Oh good, okay. Which if you are looking at playing a Necromunda campaign yourself, you want to head to yaktribe.com games and uh, that will give you all the underhive tools that you require to set up your own uh, campaign yeah i mean literally it has a full campaign tool on there so sorry yeah sorry for that gap um the, the, the what i'm trying to get at is that we've now actually gone into cycle two uh we completed that what three weeks ago now it was just before christmas possibly a bit longer actually yeah, so i feel like it was early december but it could have even been the end of no it, yeah it was it, i mean it was definitely in december um and we thought we'd give you a little bit of a progress update so where Cycle 1 left off was um, a terridor- territorial dispute um, using the now uh, non-existent rules in Gang War 1 for uh, Turf War. Because that's actually been removed from the Compendium rules, believe it or oh, not. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so the Dominion campaign is now the go-to campaign. We did literally play the second cycle on the day of release for that book. We did. Um, and it and the Dominion campaign is the only campaign system that now features in that book. So cool. it seems that that's going to be the precedence going forward. So the and any, any cast that you listen to from us now are going to be referring to the Turf War rules from the original Gang War 1. Um, During this episode. Yeah, well... Um, well, but we're well, going forward anyway, at least until the end of this campaign, and then we'll 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 because um, Dominion campaign has much more micromanaged ter- ter- territory rules, mm-hmm. etc. Um, anyway, the point is that Cycle One left off with our intrepid gangs uh, <laughs> vying for control of territory around the edge of a pit that had merged in the centre of a dome known as Angel's Canopy. Angel's Fall was the eponymous name given to the um, the chasm 
that had emerged in the centre of this kind of game. inciting incident for games. Yeah, so the, the, there was a, uh, they don't call it a necroquake, that's AOS, what do they call it? A domequake? Hivequake. Hivequake, thank you. There was a hivequake, uh, cataclysmic hivequake in the centre of the dome, and the centre of the dome literally disappeared and gave way to a, a large cataclysmic area in the middle of the dome. And our gangs have been fighting for territory around the edge of that dome so that they could find a base of operations to then proceed down into that pit. And cycle two gave us the opportunity to play out narratively gangs exploring um, the, the pit itself while still having to make some tactical decisions about who to leave at home to defend the territory that he'd actually uh, taken. Right, so what Alex came up with in terms of approaching the second part of our uh, campaign is that um, the powers that be in the dome that we kind of exist in were saying, you need to go and find out what's in this pit. Yes. You were left with no choice. There was a bit of a zombie invasion in the final game of... Uh, yeah, the classic plague zombie. Yeah. yeah, and they were they were powerful. Luckily, the first the subsequent waves are less powerful for obvious yeah, that game was, testing that reasons. Yeah, that was a lessons learned session as an arbitrator, to be honest. It was fun, but it was um, more fun this time. Yeah. Um, and so the way Alex worked this is you have your gang, starting gang of a thousand credits. Obviously, most of us have played a few games now, so you are hopefully above that, although I feel some people have dropped below that. Some people have dropped rating. below, yeah. There's um, gang ratings varying from about 1,500 down to about 950. Wow, okay, yeah. so there's a big spread now, but um, essentially you were tasked with sending a kind of hit squad down to investigate the goings-on mm-hmm. uh, in the ruins of, of what had come before it. And the, the games in the campaign day, which we ran at Magic Madhouse, um, Dace Road, uh, was your prospectors, which is a system Alex came up with, whereby you take a small, inverted commas, elite part of your <laughs> gang uh, down into the pit under Angel's Canopy where everything fell down and where the horrible, weird, green, glowing gunk is to find out what's going on and ultimately to make some dollar. Yeah. Um, so you had to you had to take your leader down and then... Is it 25% of your gang? No, um, so it was... I the, So Prospectors, which was the, as you correctly said, for the campaign day that we did at, at Magic Madhouse, the Prospectors rules were your leader and 25 to 33% of your gang, i.e. one quarter to one third of the gang. Ah, okay. I um, somehow managed to get up to 11 fighters, which gave me four then. So yeah, that cool. uh, that's because up. I capped Goliath at 25%. Uh, yeah. And the reason for that being, as we've established earlier, Goliaths do have a bit of an inherent imbalance in that individual. You must models. have capped it at a third because I had four guys out of twelve. Uh, oh, sorry, I went from thirty-three percent to fifty percent. That's yeah. right. It wasn't twenty-five percent. Yeah. That's it was thirty-three. So you got some of your gangers, but obviously you could select them. So I mean, it could be the powerful ones ultimately who went down into the pit. Yeah, so but I, then they I, wouldn't be at home to defend the territory. Exactly. So how it's going to work over the cycle? We're going to run it for another couple of months is that you also need to play up to three games with the gang that's left at home. But mm-hmm. your leader goes down the pit and can take another few guys with him. So for me, that was four people. So I took uh, Odin, my leader down there, um, who actually hasn't leveled up that much because he's left the fighting to everybody else and he's done a lot of Yeah, he's down to the back with a grenade launcher. 
He stands at the front with a grenade launcher <laughs> and no one can hit him. Um, he went down there with uh, my newly purchased uh, Ogryn called Gorm, uh, as well as young Dave, the Jew, because one of your stipulations was you have to take a juvenile you, ganger with you. You had to take a leader and you had to take a juve and you had to leave at least one champion at home. Yeah, and uh, my other ganger that I... I sent another ganger down, but I can't actually remember who that was at this point. It's oh yeah, it was the guy with the combat shotgun, Piotr. Oh, Piotr, yeah, okay. Yeah. Who yeah. is now quite scared of everything? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, after raiding the vault, yeah, it was bad times. Yeah, uh, yeah. So it's what three scenarios we played. We did. Or? So I wrote three. Uh, well, I wrote four custom scenarios, but mm. in the usual spirit of our days, uh, game four was a, always intended to be a multiplayer event, and it's nearly That's always right. optional for those who want to make tracks. So the three core scenarios, if you like, um, were Alone in the Dark, Viva Las Vegas, and Left for Dead. Um, the uh, idea of these scenarios were that when you're uh, that throughout, the, so basically there was different, uh, almost like atmospheric effects. Yeah. So game one was very much about the lights could go out any time and there'd be the terror in the dark. Yeah. It was frightening. There yeah. were gene stealers. It was bad. Well, there were. The player knowledge is that they're gene stealers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I was actually knowledge. fighting against the gene stealer cult gang. You were. So I was aware. You were. And noticing that they weren't being attacked. So yeah. you're probably in a position of understanding that the other players weren't. Um, yes, mind. And so there was. At any given point, the lights could go out. And I made the players roll for. Um, as per the, the darkness rules in, I think it was Gang War 3. I tweaked them a little bit. So it wasn't always that you could only just see three inches in front of your face. It was a 3d6 um, range that you could see. Yeah. Uh, sorry, 4d6 range that you could see. But if you rolled a triple within yeah. that, then the lights went out and you could see nothing. And I mean nothing. And the terror in the dark would automatically attack d3 random models on each side. So that's a really cool scenario and can potentially really ruin people's time. Um, what happened for me... <laughs> with my combat-oriented warband was I went down and I was fighting against the Gene Steel Occultists who were in charge of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And what actually happened was that it, they were unable to see me because the ranges were so short. Yeah. So um, I was able to get in, pick up my barrels. Um, young Dave fired wildly into the air to stop being killed by a like, pure strain Gene Stealer or some terrifying like hive bullshit. Um, <laughs> And uh, yeah, we managed. To, I managed to finish the game, like having gone. This is horrifying, but let's be somewhere else rather than having to engage in too much open uh, gunfire. I mean, the the new ganger I'd purchased got shot a bit, but Odin's not too concerned about that because no, he didn't he's die, and like he's he's not been around for long, so exactly. it's not um, too much of a risk. And I think it's crucial to introduce the one of the main concepts at this point. So I wanted to streamline the the post-game sequence for the sake of being able to squeeze in all these games over a day yeah. um, without uh, too much bookkeeping. I think one of the big criticisms of Necromunda is that it is, yes, very detailed in the Dominion campaign, now that that takes precedence over the original Turf War campaign, is yeah. exceptionally detailed. And that's fantastic if you're playing one game of an evening and then you can spend the time, you know, grab a beer and then do the bookkeeping. But for in a day, it's say magic madhouse or if you were to run an event yes an event which i will be announcing very shortly very exciting news to mm. be heard at the end of this mm. 
Um, yeah, if you're running an event, it, it, it's too much. It's so it's too much. So what I wanted to do, we still want this narrative element. That's we always talk about Necromunda in the narrative segment because it is a narrative game. We've spoken about this already. It's it not has inherent. no integral balance. No, of course. Whatsoever. No, it's not balanced at all. But it is also a fantastic game. The setting is everything. And we and also anyone who's been paying attention to the GW Open Day. Um, oh my images today. The Ambots are sick. And the also new gene silicone models. New gene silicone models and the Ambots. The actual not ambot the am the amble itself ambul, from Blackstone that's Fortress it, yeah. that's cool as well Fantastic. there's a lot of cool customizable slightly on the fringes of the Imperium type stuff coming along that we're going to be able to take advantage of in Necromunda going forward so exactly super exciting so what I wanted to do was to streamline the the post game sequence and the way that I've done that was introducing prospector points and the point of your prospector gang was that they would find crates which had to be hacked using a simple intelligence test that would then represent D3 in-game points per crate that you hacked. And you could spend those points in the post-game sequence on a very simple table that I'd made. Um, it was 12 options? It was about 12 yeah. options. Um, and one of the key ones was that you could buy rare equipment, not buy, sorry, you would role-play finding rare equipment mm -hmm. um, up until uh, the rarity value that it would have on the trading post. So, so for, example, for example, I managed to get a power axe, which was eight prospector points, yes. which is the equivalent of its rarity, rarity value within the trading yes. post. Yes, so on the trading post, it is brackets rarity eight, so therefore it costs eight prospector points. Yeah, and I mean, this is representative of the entire settlement that our gangs are used to collapsing into the ground and then feeling your way through it. So, like, you've exactly. got the old Arbiter's armory down there, you've got a huge sprawling casino complex and everything's just had the walls busted open mm -hmm. and there's stuff to find and it's risky and there's gene stealers and like there's a chaos cult kicking around somewhere mm -hmm. there's inquisitors at the top of the ladder though who like are holding a vault pistol to your head so you're mm -hmm. going down there you need a reward exactly um and they're aware all this gears down there but really they know that there's a, a demonic first ultimately so they, they, yeah like, gold-plated vault pistol yeah, or demonic possession like, it's not like, much if, of a the, if a gang finds the occasional like las cannon they're like cool keep it that's, that's fine. fine but did you shoot any demons when <laughs> you you're can, down there you can hold up a useful. local bar and the imperium will be fine yeah we're we're, we're, <laughs> we're cool with that well done thank you yeah thanks for participating so <laughs> The point that's the point of the um the prospects of point system the other thing i did just to streamline um injuries i i really like this idea that when they that when gangers were down the pit that yeah. it was far far too risky to go into recovery and the reason yes. i wanted to do that was i wanted people to have to consistently use the same gang throughout the day because they then be familiar with that gang stats they'd be familiar with the weapons they'd be familiar with any narratives that they had with those particular members mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so i like the idea that it was too risky to go into recovery so what you would do instead was that you would still turn up to the fight but you know wouldn't necessarily be in good shape and the point uh, or sorry the way that we represented that was a system called trauma points so when um a ganger was taken out of action um they would roll for injuries normal mm -hmm. If the injury was dead, you're dead. And yeah, one of the there things aren't any doctors in the hole. Exactly. So that was also on a potentially on a any roll any tens roll of a six, someone was going to die because there were no doctors down in the pit. Yeah. Um, however, if you took an injury that would otherwise cause you to go into recovery, you would take the effect of the injury, but you would start the following game with what was assumed to be a flesh wound. 
Um, and for every oh, that was the trauma points. I love that. Yes, that yeah. was the trauma points. Yeah, and that was the that was to allow people to always use their models, mm-hmm. but you're carrying injuries with you. Yeah. It's, a, it's a really elegant you. way of representing that as well. Exactly. Um, it, you're easier to take out, but actually within games where there's a lot of cover, one of the scenarios I'm sure we'll come on to in a bit had a vault that was inaccessible oh, to the warband. Scenario 2, which um, was The first warband, there's a, a difficulty with visibility, etc. Like, you may have a flesh wound, so you may be effectively toughness 2 or something, but you're going to be able to be sneaky and stealthy and so you're able to play as you say and it actually benefits you then to avoid combat which which leads it more to the narrative end of things that we want exactly to. for the prospector games um we might come on to the the home home guard games in a, in a little while yeah i mean we haven't played all of those obviously but the the, the i and also the, just to clarify for the listeners you could get rid of a model's trauma points by spending prospector points on using what i'd call the trauma rig and the yeah. narrative behind that was that it was a piece of almost like spry attack. Yeah. Um, that because we all know that um, Lord Helmore himself is meant to be what many hundreds of years old because he's been yeah he's got some all sorts alive. of rejuvenation exactly. So we know that this technology exists in the world. So it's I, likely to exist in the casino that fell into the earth. Precisely. So you'd think the casino owner was rich enough to have afforded it themselves. So the idea is that the gang has stumbled across it. And those men, they then have to make a decision as to whether to spend their prospects points on actually trying to heal the wounds of the, the, the rest of the party or whether they actually spend the, the prospects points on gaining new tech and gaining new gear. Yeah. Um, however, if you haven't got enough people to get out of the pit with that gear, then unfortunately you're going to lose it. So you have to do make some decisions. Right. So shall I have a chat through what happened to my gang narratively? Um, go through scenario, t- yeah. Go, so we've done scenario one. Go through scenario two with the um, aforementioned vault because this yeah. one was a particular. So the second favorite. vault, I was paired up again against Faye um, with her Goliath gang, and the vault was using um, an adversary from adversary rather from I think Gam War three. It's Gam um, War three, and it's the and I can't he is the scenario. a cyborg. Murder, cyborg. Murder, Murder cyborg. cyborg, and he is the yeah. cyborg, and essentially he's. Arnold Schwarzenegger's it's the Terminator, the Terminator. and yeah. like clearly from the description that's who he is so you know he's got a shotgun a bolt pistol and he's hard as balls yeah um <laughs> and he is essentially you make your your gang makes your prospector gang makes its way down into the vault of what was trash Vegas where you've got these casino vaults filled with oh can I interject because we did call the scenario Viva, Viva trash, trash Vegas, Vegas yeah. which is great oh, um I hope Matt splices in some music I hope for it every week. Trash I hope for it every week. It won't happen. He's very busy. <laughs> um, as you will hear in open play. But yeah. there we go. Um, so we, you know, the, the scenario is you need to break into the vault, get as much money, brackets, prospector points as possible, and get it out with you. And there might be some, like, fun archaeotech or power weapons or what have you down in the pit as well. Or at least uh, like to heal injured members. Yeah, all, the, all that kind of good stuff. So um, I was playing against against i my scenario also involved Faye and her goliath gang of course my gang is goliaths too that's and Faye we, of the i am janice fame that's right which you'll remember from last episode yeah. um and you may also remember from previous episodes that our gangs tried to strike a truce yeah but ended up with some serious beef over people pulling guns on each other uh <laughs> in in cycle one cool, so man. we weren't exactly on speaking terms but basically there's a, a square section was it 12 by 12 in the middle of yeah, the board the, yeah so very central of the board obviously on a four by four um players had to mark out a 12 by 12 square with an 
entry two entries two so entries one, one opposite each other yeah have always had to be opposite each other yeah. and the vault was assumed to be infinitely high and impassable yeah so it was inaccessible apart from through the two doors exactly. is essentially what the rules uh, dictated um and within that are the barrels of prospector points yes so normally the prospector points were distributed among around the board um almost like loot crates yeah, but for this particular scenario, I dictated they had to be in the vault because I, 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 the vault had to be the centre of attention. Yeah, and certainly was. And um, I heard anecdotally that the other games that were going on, I think we had three or four games cracking off around Magic Madhouse. Uh, people spent quite a long time trying to get doors open, but what I did at the very end of cycle one was hire a si- uh, hire a Ogryn. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> what I did was fired a crack missile from my grenade launcher directly into the vault door and then said fetch to my Ogryn, who just <laughs> tore the door off the hinges in turn one. Um, so <laughs> phase gang were using their bolters and basically you gave the the doors like toughness five or six and a number of wounds. I gave them toughness six, but you could hack them open. You could hack them was, open with a terminal. Risk that if you failed the hack, that you'd be injured as a result. Yeah, and which did happen to phase gang in the first turn. Yeah, well, Goliath's then, a low intelligence. Exactly, so it was a bit and they didn't yeah. have quite as strong and brawny as Goliaths are without firing grenade launchers and ogrins at the door they had quite a few wounds and it was toughness six so it was tough to get into yeah um the ogrin tore it straight off the hinges with his servo claw and uh, in i went mm-hmm. so young dave and uh, piotr went about seeing to the barrels and collecting the goods whilst gorm the ogrin just strode into this like terrifying terminator guy and was like I'm going to take you down. Yeah, let's have a party. Like this, this was 200 plus credits well spent at this mm. point. Like, if you know you're going down a pit to fight potentially chaos demon summoning, gene stealer cults, and carry a load of expensive gear, you're going to want an Ogryn. And at this point, I need to interject because we need to tweet a picture of the model that was representing effectively Arnold Schwarzenegger. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's cool. We should do that. Adam just purely coincidentally had a model painted for Inquis- inquisitor 28 yeah that was just absolutely spot on he perfect. was fitting yeah so we'll, yeah, we'll yeah. tweet that we'll tweet yeah, that yeah we'll tweet that yeah um yeah so the scenario was really interesting but actually as ever with this with the campaign that we're running what was particularly interesting was the end of the scenario with the cyborg dispatched was the entrance of Janice and her crew finally beating their way through the other door, finding mm. a completely looted vault, and Odin sitting there in the middle saying, Janice, we've been expecting you. Yeah. And we need to have, a, need talk. To have a chat. House Goliath cannot be split at a time like this. Mm-hmm. Um, so more on that in just a moment. Um, do you want to talk about what Scenario 3 was? And I'll say what I did in order to... What was Scenario 3? Uh, scenario three was Left for Dead, right? Yeah, was that the? Uh, it was the multiplayer game. Uh, I've made. So a mis- we only had three actually. I have actually made yeah. a mistake because you know say, I, I lessons learned from last time was not four to was do too many. Four was too many, so we did three. Yeah, so, so we did. We actually did three games. So I will talk about what I was going to do. Yes, because um, we knew that the final game, the third game, was going to be. Um, interactive multiplayer on a was it a six by four table we used in the end slightly bigger because we had been playing two player games on four by fours we did six by four but the uh the, I suppose if, you, the external if you could imagine were... if you could imagine the short sides on both sides were um well they were a more so tiles. Was four by four for actual player territory it but was, there was four... also a setup area for the gm yes because the yeah the the, the sides were zone mortalis tiles to represent sure. things coming in so just yeah. as at the end of cycle one a truckload of zombies turned up uh 
as supplied by uh, Andy with his um, the Plague Walkers. Plague Walkers, yeah, from uh, the 40k Nurgle army that we yeah. did as a charity army for Hearthstone. They're not, last just year. to be specific, they're not Nurgle zombies, they're just very fitting miniatures to use in this particular Right, they were representative. Um, so, in between those games, um, one of the things that you could do with Prospector Points was um, pay a agent of the Magus Barlogus to resurrect um, a deceased gang member. A deceased Gang it was very member. expensive and you could only ever do it it was once. super expensive so yeah. like the first yeah. two scenarios had gone well for my gang i managed to find a load of stuff uh including a really nice power axe uh amongst other things down there um and i spent all of those credits on um a resurrection um and if you've been paying attention you'll know that nobody in my gang has died but in terms of trying to keep truce with the rest of house goliath you'll remember a particularly famous death of uh michelle pfeiffer at the Cat beginning woman. uh of catwoman yeah at the beginning and she is now literally catwoman yeah catwoman died but hey, came back, right? as all fuck yeah so um the kind of subtext was that they wouldn't necessarily come back in the way you expected them to so the kind of uh, narrative conceit was that odin had um discovered the body of um michelle pfeiffer on ice <laughs> having uh defeated the two the assault actually of two corridor gangs including uh, tom loin's one which had taken out michelle pfeiffer in the first place yeah so john bishop, um, <laughs> john bishop the sniper had killed michelle pfeiffer um so obviously this is a super serial um <laughs> and um so yeah my, we, we agreed that my gang had um kept this body on ice and that as a peace offering to janice um we would resurrect michelle pfeiffer so that was kind of the pre-game gambit of going into uh what did you call the scenario left for dead left for dead yeah cool um which is a four-player game and reference to the old xbox game was obviously fantastic um so the setup here was a six by four table but the short sides were covered in zone mortalis tiles which were zombies which were entry points for the zombies Every gang had been given an opportunity to go at least six inches back from the edge of one of those tiles and use a few barricade pieces to represent a last stand area. Yeah. Um, then it was the, well, the narrative part of that was that in the middle of said board was a teleporter rig. The teleporter rig had stood upon it the said Inquisitor Vey from Cycle 1. Inquisitor Vey looks, looks like happy. a Doom Marine. Look who looks suspicious like a Doom Marine. Inquisitor Vey was willing to teleport the gangers out of the um, out of the pit. The Imperium is very caring and sharing, of course. Of course. If you could show that you were the most pious. Yeah. And the way that you showed that was, well, to me as the arbitrator, which was not shared with the other players, I was interested to see who was going to start being treacherous um and weirdly none of the players were because there was a huge threat from the zombies themselves um yeah but less of a threat than last time when they had like ranged weaponry yeah again we ran a lessons learned session we've all got over it we all got over (laughs) that there was a lessons learned session we all got over it a six Um, up save is fine it's just that you only rolled sixes yeah that's because i'm awesome um (laughs) so the, the the point was that with your remaining prospector points you could bid them Mm-hmm. for your priority order in the turn yeah um and with the actions that you took throughout the game the inquisitor would decide as to whether or not you could teleport out and obviously the quicker you teleport out the better because the more likely you, the chances yeah. were of you surviving 
so this was a scenario as well where there were still prospective barrels on the table so that if you had unfortunately spent all of yours like i had on resurrecting michelle pfeiffer there was you were able to actually grabs. play and there was plenty up for grabs there was loads up for grabs so we had a big tower with an npc in the middle we had zombies on both of the short table edges to the flanks and we had the gang set up with barricades um kind of wanting to move towards the teleporter or at least not that you needed to be near the teleporter but beating a retreat from the teleporter the... could teleport you out from anywhere on the board but it was just but until it did retreating from the oncoming yeah. wave of zombies seemed yeah. prudent and i think all four players did that in pretty sure order even the gene stealer cults player the gene stealer cults were given the narrative option to disappear down the vents after the patriarch was summoned and actually james rolled so badly james i've never seen worse dice rolling oh my god because the patriarch apart from kieran playing dnd which we'll talk about in open that's (laughs) that's different that's a different thing but yeah uh james if you're listening i'm sorry i don't mean to slate you but you were given so much opportunity he played he played fine he just played brilliant higher than a one he played so brilliantly it was just the rolling yeah yeah um and yeah so the cult were like this isn't working for us so they left um down the rain uh, down the yeah. rain, but, uh, the, the uh, chaos cult didn't show so no. we had what did we have we had cordor we had an escher gang you had cordor escher two goliaths yeah so that uh, was the, my orlocks by this point have gone just by virtue of me having to arbitrate the scenario yeah so yeah but my orlocks have assumed just to leave at some point so yeah yeah um so what people didn't seem to quite figure out and this wasn't like being gamey it was just like how to how my gang could actually get to the tower in the middle of the teleporter was everybody else kind of put all of their crates so each player put a crate down they were all just near my gang so yeah. i got a lot of cash just killing zombies and retreating which was quite fortuitous um the other thing as well narratively we were supposed to be helping the inquisitor to get the teleporter to work because it was it was conked out so odin passed up his new uh, power axe yeah it was like why don't you use the power catalyst from this to mm-hmm. get this damn thing working because we're all gonna die um so actually my gang was first to be teleported out because we'd killed the most zombies nicked the most cash and given it all to the inquisition yeah so, so you actually left with more or less nothing as a result yeah, yeah i was i left with zero but yeah. that's that's better than death yeah and this and this is it and, we're and also to... like zero doesn't include all the experience yeah I'm aware of how long we've been talking, so I want no, to. We're wrap. okay for a few minutes. Are we? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, good. Um, so we had all the like floorboard creaking, waiting, and the false start and stuff. Oh yeah, which you, we're you... gonna cut out probably. But, yeah, like, we're, just we're so obviously you know. we're bringing this to you in in butcher's barn, and there was a moment <laughs> where I was talking and realised I stood on the most creaky floorboard, yeah. and it was really. Alex and I are currently it. sitting at either side of a four poster bed yeah. near York, which is quite a different setting to Soundhouse, but and it's, and it's not, not a, unfavorable, and it's not as sexy as it sounds either. <laughs> Um, it is not <laughs> so yeah um and, and and it was just it was just a really great day in that sense um it the scenarios did what i wanted them to do and that was to encourage people to find some cool stuff and to worry less about the rules mechanics and worry more about storytelling yeah which they um, all, all three scenarios like massively pushed the gang narratives and I think the idea that prospector points were in there and were outside of like how you would generally gain reputation, gain experience, is is pushing people towards doing stuff that actually suits what their characters would do. Mm-hmm. Like, I gained experience and gained credits because that's within the mechanics of Necromunda, oh, yeah. but that's yeah. not what drove the gang forwards and that's not what the day was about. No. Um, that may be more what the 
home guard like gang they games will be are later. standard games in net commander um, they will be yeah. standard verbatim games in net commander that you're playing your own time so you can get your gang rank rep up and you can get your stash up etc that's the whole which point. is which i'm fine with like yeah. i'm i'm ahead on that so i was happy to sacrifice everything to actually get out yeah um Matt Matt Sherrett actually accidentally like shot one of his own Jews to death he with an with an auto cannon. He did, which was great. Well, no, he told you Stig Shambler to do. You weren't the only one with yeah, the brute, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Faye managed to be reunited. Janice was reunited with Michelle Pfeiffer, who yeah. kind of deep striked in and is now. If you yeah. want to look this up in Gang War Four, Gang Goliath War IV, Zerker, she's a Goliath Berserker, which is. Yeah scary good and yeah. i'm going to be working on a model for the revamped michelle pfeiffer yeah. relatively soon oh my god flesh eater courts uh what yeah, are they yeah, called yeah. Crypt, Crypt Crypt Flyer or whatever they're called yeah, yeah. yeah. They, um, make, uh, they do conversions they do yes. they do um the gene seal of cards managed to get their way as well they um, got away after the patriarch fluffed off his attack yeah, he did not kill us because the inquisitor actually saw the gene seal of cult was about to go oh cool i'm gonna get stock in and they went no 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 bye no, bye, no we're not here no we've no. seen the doom movie with dwayne the rock johnson <laughs> yeah is no. that who was in that yeah it was yeah, yeah well yeah, remembered really good um yeah and the the asher escaped as well right the asher escaped just fine um, Joe played it really well. Joe actually tried to align himself with Janice because the, the, there was a bit of a matriarchal thing going on. Yeah. And then Janice was totally like, no, 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 no. We've uh, been bribed. We're fine. No, yeah. we're all good. We're Michelle's good back. Now. I don't yeah. care about you. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Joe's feeling a little bit knife in the back at the moment. But that's yeah. Necromunda. That is ne that is very much a knife yeah. in the back is Necromunda in yeah. a nutshell. Um, yeah. So we we kind of, there's, there's loads we could say about it, but it was a, it was a really good day. Um, the second part of cycle two is that you basically the campaign days we're running you're going to have probably three or four scenarios going forwards yeah. um, of like the core narrative of what your leader's getting up to but as part of the cycle you're playing another up to three games which is the rest of your gang yeah uh, so at the moment you're not allowed your to interact because yeah exactly so <laughs> like i mean mine are pretty good yeah but over the next couple of months we're going to be trying to get in two or three games each that's like what's going on topside whilst mm -hmm this kind of cataclysmic falling apart zombie apocalypse within a casino is going on yeah underneath so, some gangs may come back to find they don't have any territory anymore and then yeah for sure so, yeah so yeah. there's kind of two strands to the narrative going on in uh cycle two yeah um there's already plans for cycle three and actually more plans for cycle four at the oh moment. cycle so, four got it's got cray yeah we'll come on to that another time yeah i've got three <laughs> books in my bag from the early 90s that are going to help us with that oh, yes, they are. um and they're not about necromunda but more <laughs> on that when we when we come uh to it so yeah um andy's joining the campaign which is he big news is, oh he's got God, some so delight see some new delight and what a great time for the met to enter as well the yeah. kind of spy faction has been brought out after who, the initial cataclysm and totally, conflict and also who totally won't care about going down that pit they're going to be so be like, no, about, that's, yeah, they're that's so fine. care about doing a cuckoo on other people's nests yeah. and they've clearly like if you think about like delac and nemo and stuff in the Caljerico yeah, books yeah, they're like yeah, yeah. clearly the inquisition aren't going to force them to go down because they've already got value from that gang being alive so i'm excited for that um andy managed to keep it secret that he was painting a gang from alex for a month and a half he did yeah which was really cool uh so we've been writing a gang in the background uh, until the models were actually ready to play a game so that that's been cool so we're we're taking on new players uh people are going to be playing new games and the narrative is going to develop and what i'm always interested in these kinds of games like particularly where you have elements of like rivalry and leadership bids and stuff within these systems the gangs up top don't know who's died no they have no idea they um, have no idea it's it's weirdly good given 
like ironically given all the technology exists in 40k you're actually very isolated local comms are non-existent no not at all yeah it's and all about the astronomical and the big and the you know the big you know, exactly the big, the, um, the big events and particularly i guess the new setting is like post whatever the big apocalypse was in 40k last year when 8th edition came out so like even that's not been working in the actual wider universe so oh, like yeah. with I the mean, return of Gilliman and, and what have you the citizens are going to be aware that it's a really really super bad time to be alive yeah it's not a bad time so. it's not a good time for stuff to be happening beneath you as well as no. off world um, no. so hopefully the Inquisitor is going to sort stuff out but we don't know No, and the we fi- finished the campaign with a out of game event I got the players to sit around and this is how I'll round off the narrative oh, you're going to talk about this awesome yeah, yeah. This I'm going to I'm gonna, I'm gonna talk about it now um, Matt Sherrod, uh, his gang leader, very uh, almost purposely ordered a Stig Strambler to shoot into a group of zombies that were about to descend upon one of his dupes, thus killing his dupe himself. Yeah, and only like one zombie. Yeah. <laughs> it not was a good not worth it. Um, this attracted the attention of the demon Brendak, uh, or Brenda. 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 Um, <laughs> And who Rob had been trying to summon in uh, cycle one, cycle one, and had sort of semi succeeded, but not quite. Yeah, Janice and the Inquisitor stopped him, I guess. So, long story short, Matt's teleport actually wasn't done by the Inquisition. Matt was led off by mysterious voices of the demon itself. And just to be clear, Matt's gang is Cordor, who are supposed oh, to yeah. be as loyal to the Emperor as yeah. it comes. Yeah. He eventually, long story short, found himself in a completely separate chamber of the of the underhive part of this dome, um, where he found an artifact wrapped in a box designed by the Inquisition not to uh, protect said artifact, but to actually keep people out. He got into this box where he found a Vox unit. For those familiar with the 40k universe, those mm-hmm. are the kind of mouthpieces that you see typically on the kind of Skitari and Admech models. Um, a zombie then presented itself to him, tried to speak with him and he couldn't understand it, but then gestured for him to put the Vox unit to his own throat. His leader, mm-hmm. um, De- I forgot his name, Deacon... Oh, I can't remember. Oh, I should have looked that up before. If you go on Yak Tribe, you'll be able to see it. His Deacon, anyway, his leader, placed the said unit to his throat mm-hmm. and, the th- and the unit tore into his throat embedded itself tasty and then ripped his gang leader's tongue in two he then found he was able to communicate directly with the plague zombies i.e. he was able to converse with them all in brendak had actually blessed matt's leader with the title of um the tongue of brendak and now his entire gang sees the other plague zombies as part of their congregation. Um, that's Deacon Mika. Sorry, I have just remembered. Actually, I've been reminded by Adam by show, Adam showing me his phone. I found it on Yak Tribe. Yeah, yeah brilliant. Yak Tribe! It's a good website. Go yeah. on it. Um, and so Matt Sherrod is now, or not Matt Sherrod personally, but Deacon Mika is now the tongue of Brendak and is now very much the chosen of this demon that has been stalking the tunnels who he believes to be the emperor who he believes to be the emperor so he doesn't see zombies anymore he just sees loyal imperial citizens he sees a congregation out of character we know this and it's going to be a big problem for everybody else and that is where we will pick up cycle three cool um so the last thing we're going to talk about 
um obviously oh in a necromunda vein is the lgt london um, grand tournament 2019 since that's the year we're now in apparently. yes it's 2019 happy new year by the way guys we'll say it in the i'm intro, sure i'll have said it, say it again now, anyway but yeah. but yeah um right i am incredibly privileged to be working with yaktribe.games and obviously with zach of the lgt fame i know the lgt did have some bad press in last year mostly for 40k all Mo- of the specialist games in aos were really well received and zach's working hard to kind of exactly. allay those concerns so we're moving venue um, the lgt is going to be at the lee, lee valley, valley indoor in- athletic center if you need a postcode for that it's n9oar exactly um, and it is going to be friday the 13th to sunday the 15th of september and so it's a bit of a later time in the year so it's giving him an extra uh three months yeah. four months to prepare exactly um and hand on heart it has been pledged that we're not going to see the same difficulties last year but can i also just say that i played necromunda last year and i had a fantastic time so super exciting that you've actually been asked to run it this time i am going to be running it in conjunction with the yak tribe guys um and i cannot wait we are going to be running the ballad of angels canopy yes i am a lazy narrative yeah no i think that's great Um, If if you've been keeping up with this podcast and you want to come down and play games at the lgt this the setting is the same setting if you there. love the story that we that we've written uh, or that i've written for you know in conjunction yeah so with all the stuff there. we just talked about prospector points trauma yeah, points trauma points everything it is going to be a fully narrative experience using the skirmish rules out of the latest rules yep um and i will be releasing a pack very shortly but the tickets will be available very shortly we've just announced on facebook yeah you may have seen um, the sponsored ad if you follow us or you follow angel wargamers or LGT, or lgt specifically or yeah. actually if you follow 40k even your cookies yeah. may have sent that ad to you yeah um, they have good reach for sponsorship this year i absolutely can't wait i will obviously we will follow up on a different episode with a more detailed explanation of the pack but 13th to the 15th of september if you want to come and play some sweet really good fun that commander east london east nice london. and easy one big yeah. building one big room actually uh, yeah. in the lee valley sports Va- yeah. stadium for all systems so it's gonna be less separated out than last year precisely that's where you need to come and amazing terrain it will be i can confirm it's going to be 40 pounds ahead it is a two-day event technically a three-day event because if you want to come, you on, come friday, on the friday we're going well. to be we're going to be running a monster hunt and guess what we just found out today the amble is coming out oh my so, god if you haven't seen you that go. already i'm sure you will have by now but oh, get on warhammer community and look at all the new year's day release stuff because it is amazing so guys I, i'm very excited to announce that yaktribe.games we will be posting up on this soon um i've already been tweeting about it the pack will be going up very shortly yeah. please please look out if you want to play some necromunda and I'm certain that within the next eight months, we will be having lots of conversations about how Cycle 2 and 3 are going and um, what the... Um, Cycle 4 will be the finale, but we've got a yeah. fantastic idea. For and that. also what's going to be happening um, in the build-up in terms of pack development and plans for LGT. I'll probably be playing AOS myself, but I'm super committed to being involved in the setup and coming and watching some games when I get tabled. And turn one. judging the painting, my friend. Yeah, and judging the painting. Indeed. So there we go. Indeed. Uh, look, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah, narrative. let's let it go. We'll join you again in a minute with um, something a little bit different from open play, oh where we're going to actually have the entirety of the D and D group with the final fight of the Curse of Strahd. So we'll see you after this. Indeed. Right. Welcome to open play. Uh, so we're sat around the table, ready to play D and D, ready to take some take some Strahd down or. <laughs> otherwise yeah. 
so as you heard in the intro, we've got we've got six players at the table. Uh, everyone's gone through their their characters quick, but I think it's useful if we just as a party have a bit, little bit of a recap before we go straight into the fight against Strahd. So this is the final fight of a fourteen month campaign. Yeah, um, we figure out we've played like hundred and fifty hours or something. Yeah, something like that to mm. to get to this point. So you're getting the last kind of three hours or so of just straight combat. So I think the guys can just do a little bit of a recap for for the listeners and see what's and for yourselves and go back through. Yeah, so um, we basically we come up to York and we knew we were coming to Ravenlock, which is the big castle. Um, the first thing we needed to do, which is a mission we've had since the beginning of the campaign, is to return the light to the land of Barovia, which has been covered in this characteristic purple mist. Um, so how we managed to do that is by recovering the gigantic skull of a silver dragon called Argonbost and replace that in the tower at Argonbost Hall, which you may remember from a few episodes back. We had to fight some skeletal... Uh, no, we didn't fight them, but there were some ghosts downstairs. So we managed to get the, the yeah, skull back. Um, yeah, we ran away from the ghosts, which is a good call. Um, you killed a puppy. It was horrible. But we <laughs> managed kill to... kill a puppy. I summoned a puppy that was instantly killed. Mm, yeah, I think a court would definitely send you down. But there we go. Um, we managed to get the skull back in, and the light kind of shot out as a beacon from the tower. And yeah. um, we thought that would bring some of our allies out, but actually we had to go and find loads of them. So variously, we have um, joined forces with the Keepers of the Feather, who are the kind of raven druids who uh, Alex's character Core um, is factionally aligned with. So we've got some of them. Um, we've also managed to uh, continue our allegiance with the Children of the Night, who uh, are the werewolf faction within Barovia, uh, who we managed to bring back to the good side much earlier in the campaign. Mm -hmm. Now, sadly, uh, Zalekia, our kind of erstwhile um, companion, female leader of the um, Children of the Night, was horribly murdered in the forest by Strahd. Um, yeah. So we had managed to break her husband, Emil, out of the crypts, um, and he was very much looking forward to seeing her, and uh, now she's dead. So Emil, uh, big angry werewolf, has come with us to the final showdown. Um, but we realised before uh, heading back to Castle Ravenloft, having reinstated Argonbost's uh, skull in its rightful place, that we needed to build an army um, in order to, uh, well I guess the plan was to distract um, Strahd's forces uh, with a frontal assault on yeah, the castle. Yeah, that's right, and I think we should spare a special mention for Braylon, who, for his efforts in, <laughs> in, um, in recruiting this... Um, forced to stand outside Ra Ravenloft and, and distract all the zombies we subsequently found came out um, went into Valaki, one of the main towns and threw a bunch of money around managed to persuade a hundred plus people villagers to come out of the town and support us and in his triumphant exit from the town back to the group to say what an amazing job of recruiting all these people he rolled a one yeah, um, and completely humiliated himself and, uh, himself and a bunch of villagers then returned to the village can we just yeah. take a moment of silence for Braylon's money yeah <laughs> that's quite a lot of money I had to pay out as well <laughs> just walk away so yeah. um, thus continuing forth um, we made our way back to well no we, we had a, a war council didn't we with our, with our oh, allies um, uh, as, as Adam's already described and then proceeded back to Ravenloft um, with the full frontal assault starting, uh, hopefully to give us the cover to sneak in. Yeah, However, at the stroke of midday, 
a very powerful caster who is has come with us, whose name I can't remember. So Eva. Madame Eva, who was the uh, kind of mystic that we met right in the first or second session when we first arrived in Barovia, um, the the mystic we met at the beginning, she gave us a tarot reading of five mm. cards. We've managed to work through all of them. The final one, the horseman, is supposed to lead us to um, the villain, which is we understand to be Strahd. Um, and so my character, Marianne, went to visit Madame Eva, kind of as a courtesy to say, look, we've, we've got through this. And it was revealed to me that she is actually his half-sister, uh, which is why the Vistani people have largely been uh, spared from direct assaults by Strahd's henchman and uh, Strahd himself. So um, she ended up saying, you know, I don't want him to be killed, mm-hmm. but he obviously needs overthrowing. So he, she wanted us to try and spare him. We'll see how that goes in a minute. Um, Big, big problem um, is about to come though. She turned up with some healers and some archers and stuff, um, including her daughter, um, who um, is a healer. And um, yeah, as we were kind of sneaking around to the back of the, the castle courtyard um, to the place called the Overlook, um, which is kind of this huge precipice over the Zvalich woods down to Barovia village, kind of, was it a thousand foot drop now? Yep. Um, where we were hoping that we might find Strahd. Um, we're trying to uh, keep the reincarnation of his um, kind of um, love interest, um, Tatiana, who currently is called Irina. Um, we're trying to keep her kind of safe. Uh, we suddenly heard a huge screeching voice. What did she say, Matt? How dare you kill my daughter? Yes, yes. Yeah, so Madame Eva's voice carried on the wind and said, How dare you kill my daughter? All truces are off. Yeah, at which point fire started raining from the sky. Actual um, comets started raining yeah, from the sky. Yeah. That's what, like, fortunately, at the other side of the castle, but you yeah. know there are gaps between towers, so we thought it prudent to get uh, inside. Um, so that's kind of where we began our session today. Uh, this morning, um, we've had two days up in York, uh, so thanks, Andy, for hosting. We've uh, gone down back into the crypts where we found a mill and lots of our other horrors. We've just killed a bunch of vampire spawn, and um, I think we thought that our plan was to kind of get through the castle, see off some threats, but pretty much we found Strahd quite quickly, and we're all a bit unprepared. Yeah. Well, you did have a, 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 you knew where he was. There was two places where you'd sort of worked out. The card reading said he, my, the place where he must return to a place of death. So you yeah. guys are currently in the crypts. Uh, Which was one of the three places we thought he might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. so we got lucky. The, the well, catacombs of Ravenloft you're in at the moment. Uh, you yeah. just fought the, the four brides of Strahd amongst the, the crypts. Currently um, carrying their heads around as well. Carrying oh, yeah, their heads yeah, around yeah. after winning that fight, yeah. And um, and I do feel like there have been a couple of critical points in the campaign where I've just gone, right, I'm going in and initiating combat. And that's kind of <laughs> happened again here. Um, because, because I've been saving up a, a spell um, called Silence. Um, which me, which I had intended to use to stop Strad casting. So one of our rogues, um, Kokio Mo, um, looked around the corner, saw Strad, turned around and went, I've just seen Strad and he's casting a spell. So I've immediately reacted to that, stuck, stuck my head around the side of the uh, passageway and cast silence on him and initiated combat. So we're about yes. to wade in. The only detail that we kind of need to look at, we're in a crypt. Um, behind a coffin on the floor is a body and we've yet to identify who yeah. that is. So at some point there's likely to be a reveal that you need to know there was a body to begin with. Yeah, and this is a very combined space, so it's going to go well. <laughs> it is going to go super well. So the important thing, uh, the words that you all love to hear, initiatives, please. 
Yay. Uh, I'll go down, go down the list on my, on oh, my order. That's a, so, that's a uh, natural 20. Natural 20 straight away. Kokio. If roll a 1, that's that a natural 20. I mean, I'm taking anything out of the tower Absolutely. On yes, you do. So I use a Jenga tower to uh, mean that people don't have to... Uh, so they effectively, whenever they roll a 1, they have to take a block out of the Jenga tower. If you knock it down, bad things happen. Oh, so of Adam Moriano, our paladins, just rolled a 1. Uh, Moriano is right at the bottom, therefore. Uh, Boswell. That's 12. Braylon. 6. It's going well. Yeah. Core. 16 total. Kazan. 15. Just behind. They I swear there. this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mark. <coughs> Make sure. Uh, where's my phone gone? Here it is. Uh, Strahd. You're in the bottom. Nice. I feel like I didn't want a 20 there because now I have to decide what I want to do first. Yeah. You can ready. You can push someone else in the way. Kazan, you were on 15, yeah? Correct. Cool. Push the woman in front of you. I brought your wife for you, I don't kill me. <laughs> Matt, if I roll one for initiative, do I still add my initiative bonus or is it just failed? It is just you are no, automatically bottom, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. One for you. Even those below arena. Who automatically goes on zero every time oh, as a cleric man. initiative. Uh, so, surprise round is uh, Kazan peeks around the corner and starts, you cast silence. Yes. Strahd, in response, stops casting his current spell and begins casting another spell as, in it, as a reaction and he attempts to counterspell you. Roll and add your caster level. Oh, dude. Oh, no. So this is a dwarf hunter. <laughs> a dwarf ranger. 13 plus something? Caster level. So you are what level ranger? Seven. So 20 total. Cool. Oh, it's really cool. Uh, Strahd still beats you with a 25. Wow. I'm oh, going to so use. You don't, you don't waste silence. Ooh, it just doesn't happen. Do you use your beat roll? No. You really need to beat. You get me roll 80, 90, or 20 to beat it. Yeah. yeah. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. So you still, you still have silence, but and you've interrupted the spell that Strahd was casting, but it doesn't go off for now. Okay. New round. Start of the initiative order. Kokio. <laughs> <laughs> Bring it. Ready. So ready, I can just basically Cast wait it. until I want to move. So you can either delay, yeah. in which case you can just tell me when you want to rejoin the action, or you can give me an if-then statement, which okay. is if this happens, then I do this. If that doesn't happen and we get back up to your turn, you've effectively wasted. Okay, now I'll take my crossbow out there and take a shot at him. Nice. Give me a roll. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Shot here we go. First shot on the vampire. First blood, baby. That's definitely not first blood. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got pretty low total. So Strahd's AC bounces straight off. You do, however, see it. If hit. I wanted to reroll, what would I need to hit? Yeah, it is good. Mm. Yeah. So this is a this is an ability that I've given these guys uh, where they get to know the target number effectively. So Strahd's current AC is twenty two. Oh my god. <laughs> I said current. So like current yeah. AC. He has yeah. some buffs. I need to straighten it down. Right, yeah. I missed. Wait a minute, his pants. 
I will not re-roll. Okay. I'm surprised. So you guys all know all know his AC thanks to that ability that you got from Argonvost. You're welcome. Yeah. Twenty-four, you said. Yeah. Twenty-two. Twenty. So your bolt <laughs> springs off into the darkness and hits a translucent magical shield that appears just in time before Strahd. Nice. He looks directly at you. Uh, cool. AC um, so as an action, I'm going to cast a level two bless. Uh, I get to pick four people. Um, so I'm going to pick uh, myself, um, Kazan, Boswell, and Morianan to all receive a plus D4 for hit rolls. So everyone, nice. make sure you've got a D4 that you can roll just whenever you roll those hit How rolls. How long does bless last? It lasts for one <coughs> minute, so it's going to be uh, ten, ten rounds. rounds. Yeah, so yeah. every round is six seconds. So Kazan. Sorry, I've got a bonus action as well. Oh, yes. Okay. I'd like to uh, put Shield of Faith up on myself to give me plus two AC for 10 minutes. Nice. Awesome. Uh, Kazan. Um, I am going to look around the corner, put my Slayer's Prey on Strahd as a bonus action, and then I'm going to try and cast Silence. You again. have Dark Vision, yes? Yes. Yeah, so you can see Strahd. Uh, his crypt is pitch black at the moment, but those of you with Dark Vision can see him. Cool. So you can see him to cast that. And then I will try Silence again. Um, and I'm going to use one of my lucks. To so roll. he does not try and counterspell. Oh, okay, so. fine. So it, it, it uses a spell slot for him to attempt to counterspell you. So works for me. Yeah. Okay, so, so my silence goes off. Silence goes off. Centered on Strahd. Yes. Centered on Strahd. Cool. Who's next in this? Uh, I have Strahd. I like how I just ran out there, shot him, and you just stood there. <laughs> you all just stood there. <laughs> you rolled a 20 of your initiative, which everyone else hasn't got there yet. Two he people had, and he just stood there. Elf. I'm still carrying the heads. I'll take him. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, man. Well, now okay, we, just, we can see him, at least. He's going to move next to Coco. The AOE for silence, thanks a lot. So uh, Strahd's just that we didn't go off, did it? So Strahd moves out of his crypt completely silently, thanks to your nice spell. Um, he just starts he starts uh, unfurling the wings from his back and then moves forwards. As the silent spell dis disappears, you can hear his massive wings bringing him in. He draws a sword from his side and strikes out at Kokio. Here we go, Mo. Here comes our first character death. Yeah. Uh, no amount of coins going to save you now. Can't kill me. Uh, I have a 27 to hit. Are you within 30 of um, Braylon? Yes, he's yes. definitely within 30 of me. Cool, that cancels my advantage. So being good. the most important person in the party, if anyone's within 30 feet of me, they get uh, protection from undead. Uh, even. 20, 25. Hits. Yeah. Uh, Sword of instant death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so nice things about 15 <laughs> points of slashing damage. Mm -hmm. And. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And 20 points of necrotic damage. <gasps> cool. Ow. Just a flesh wound, guys. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> As Strahd draws back, um, he is done for now. Boswell. Boswell, let's go. <laughs> Step up. Mm. So just for this knowledge, Boswell is bearing the Sun Sword, which was an artifact of power that we found 
uh, two or three sessions ago now, mm-hmm. um, and was activated um, coincidentally by one of the orphans that Kokio happened to be looking after in the village of Balaki. The Sun Sword is the well, it's the the anti-vampire weapon. Yeah, it's an extra six D eight damage against vampires. Yeah, yep. specifically against vampires. And it um, shines with daylight. And it's a, it causes what's uh, radiant damage for those who are new to the game. Yep. Uh, we've elected Boswell to be bearer of the sword as he is saviour of maidens and priests. Yep. And so Boswell. Hit him with the sword. Yep. Hit him with the sword. <laughs> sword. <laughs> so I'm just gonna start sprinting forward yep. past Morianan. Uh, <coughs> which is how close could I, could I stand next to him? You could be there, I suppose. You would provoke for moving past him. So yeah. you provo- well, could I only get there without provoking? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you act- when do you activate the Sun Sword? As I'm running in. Okay. As you run in, Strahd takes one of his legendary actions. So he's disengaged effectively here and yes. moves all the way back. Further down this and moves back towards the second crypt over to towards oh, which is a crypt we have yet to explore yeah. and on the map that we found um, that certainly <coughs> has other coffins in. Can it's I filled with vampire spawn. Yeah. Can I see him from there? Like, uh, yeah, just about. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to move up and then he sort of grins as you as he as he takes a step back. Can I still? See him? <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm then going to use my action and I want to cast Wall of Ice on him. Okay. Nice. Great. So it's a 120 foot range. Nice. He's so I'm range. basically then going to create a wall of ice. Yeah. When, yeah. Uh, there's a blue pen somewhere. So I think if, uh, assuming it goes off, you can. Yeah, because it's from the it's from the uh, staff of ice that you have, yeah, isn't it? My staff so of it ice. just happens. So you can draw a wall of ice according to how it works. Things that uh, just happen are the best. Ten foot radius. It's too high a spell for him to counterspell it. So yeah. I'm going to do it. Spell. Take that. I'm oh, going to do it on him about and then to that square. Okay. So, so he's frozen and to then block the, the door. blocking yeah. of the door has happened. Okay. So it goes in those. T- so it's a ten foot sort of wall. Yeah, like ten like. foot, one, okay. one foot thick, and last for. A oh, one foot thick. Yeah. So it is just just a mm. tiny wall. Yeah, weird. That's weird. That's okay. Just put it like that. Okay. So that sort of erupts from the floor, stumbling uh, him over. And so any creature space where it appears takes d ten d six cold damage. Ten d six cold wow. damage. Wow. <laughs> Straw dies, we'll um, go home. Yeah. Okay. So what's the what's the spell DC? Probably. There should be a flat one for the for the staff. I think oh, it will be. The staff. Uh, it can cast level six spells, so it'd be 10? sixteen. No, it's just it's a ten plus level of spell that it can cast. Well, it says that this is he must save a dexterity saving. Throw. So he gets a dexterity saving throw. He's probably better at that. Yeah. As being uh, a vampire. He a wind vampire has yeah. passed it. Cool. So it's half so damage, is it? Dodges slightly out of the way and takes half damage on your 10d6. What's that? That's a 1. That's a 1. That's a 10. 20, 25, 30, 32. Goes to 16. Goes to 16, cool. He definitely dodges out of the side of your wall that just erupts out of the floor. Um, he does seem to take a little bit of stumbling from it, but you can't see any damage on okay. him. <laughs> um, well done? Yeah. Brilliant. Oh, oh God. Once, I'm going to do a hit dice. Right. We'll get the end. Good work. Uh, right. Yeah. From Mighty One. <laughs> so I, I'm 
possibly in a bad position here initiative wise because I think I want some more things to happen before I get involved um, so I might take more of a, um, a position and just start looking towards the crypt um, how much uh, I think I'm going to move to about here okay um, I'm going to take a shot at the big guy and then I'm going to yep, use a fine. bonus action to stealth after that. Okay. Okay. Um, so let's There's try and get shot. There's not really anything for you to hide behind. I was going to hide behind this wall here. And that involves moving. Okay. So you can take a disadvantage shot mm -hmm. from either here or here. Sure. And then you'll be that. able to stealth. I'm going to do okay, that. So the disadvantage the stealth is more important. Okay. Um, so it's uh, eight. So eight. You're knocking out. His AC is 22, right? So yeah, yes, I'm, out. I'm well out. Yeah. So your crossbow just flies off and <laughs> against the ceiling. Can I go on that side instead? Yes, that's fine. Thank you. Fine. It's a difficult shot, but that's where you missed. Mm -hmm. uh, Brennan is done. Emil uh, is already in his hybrid werewolf form and just says, I'm going to kill him and starts charging forward. He's got a 40 foot move speed, so. And then moves double, yeah. So he, he, double just, he just double moves. Oh, so he's in front of him. So, so he's in front of him. Shard. So he's sensibly, yeah. Gets straight to next to, next to Strahd, but can't attack <coughs> this turn. Uh, Moriano. Uh, Irina starts uh, backing off. She looks incredibly frightened. Like, <laughs> I can't do this. And backs off towards the corner. The, the back corner. Yeah, over there. Uh, just move her to... There for now, yeah. Okay, that's fine. Uh, new round, Kokio. I haven't been. Mariano, sorry. Yes, I always think that Emil and Marina are at the bottom, but you are. Yeah, I'll roll the bottom. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a good cool. time. My apologies. I'm going to put you just ahead of those two. Don't forget it. Um, do we need Arena in the fight? I'm going to say, Arena, we need you in the fight, and I'm going to go and grab her and drag her back towards everyone else so that we can actually get some healing. Go for um, it. So uh, make me a persuasion roll, and that uses your bonus action. Cool. Persuade. Um, I'm not being very persuasive. Um, nine. She definitely. No, no, no. So you can I grab can her. Grab her. <laughs> yeah. She's not. She's not <laughs> coming willingly. Strength roll. Uh, no, no. She doesn't really try and oppose you. Right. You just. Uh, How far can I move whilst grabbing her? Half speed. Okay. So I've gone one square already. So that's yeah. five. That'd be 15, 25. Yeah, that's fine. it. Yeah, that's fine. Cool. cool. So Mario <laughs> drags Arena back through into the fight <laughs> straight along these crypts. Uh, Strahd is now going to use one of his legendary actions. Uh, a, as you get to here, you three each just about in time, oops, sorry, see a, from inside the darkness of his own crypts, you just about hear the fluttering of thousands of wings as thousands of bats swarm out of the darkness through the crypt and head off towards this staircase. Everybody, one, two, three, four, uh -huh. uh, make me dexterity saving throws. Even though so it's stealth. 
so um, for anyone who's there's just you thousands and thousands of bats get flying oh, yeah. through that, that corridor in the middle. For of listening the knowledge, that's uh, Boswell, Kokio, Morianen, and, and Braylon that are all making these saving throws. Yep. Yeah. We also get plus D for yeah. Oh, you do bless it's, it's saving, saving throws, throws and, as well. and hits. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Uh, and so you get plus four from standing near me. Nice. So is it Dex? Dex saving throws. Yeah. You're trying to dodge out. I'm standing. I'm standing next to you as well. What's your alignment? Neutral. Yeah, then you get a two, so plus four. Plus D4. No, just plus four and, yeah. four and D4. So D4 if you have it. I'm on 21. I'm on 26. Pass, pass. Braylon's on I'm 21. 18. I'm on 18. 21's a pass. I've succeeded. 18 is a pass. Cool. Everyone passes. Uh, so you all half the <laughs> 12 points of bludgeoning damage. Double half. Six. My evasion means I don't take any damage if I succeed at dex first. So rogue's evasion, you manage to just about hide in the little alcove that you're in, and none of the bats smash into you. If he's level seven, I don't think Kokio has it now. It's a new, it's, yeah, it's a rogue cool. thing, but you get at later levels. Uh, cool, that's Strahd's second legendary used this turn. Uh, Wait, so we're halving the damage for being successful yes. from 24 to 12? 12, 12 to 6. 12 to 6, so, so just 3. Yes, because it's bludgeoning from non magical. Nice. I can use my dodge. Oh. And this whole area uh-huh. is now just full of bats it's still flying out so this whole corridor wow so they've surged out of the crypt towards the spiral staircase yeah and, and they are the then flying up the spiral staircase okay. um new round kokio so i'm kind of dodging out yeah moving through the bats is half speed okay so, so you take damage from the bats five, half speed. so that's 10 if you end in it you will 20 uh, so is it 10, 1 to 15, go in? Yeah, 10, 15, 15, yeah. 15, 20, 25. Uh, yeah, 30. Um, I'll restore health hit points. Okay. Sure. Uh, you use a rogue so you get d8. Any of that. Rogues are all d8s, yeah. Three. <laughs> One more. Nice. Yeah, take that. Uh, is that Kokio done? What else can I do? So you've used your move and your bonus action. You've got an action, so you can use that to move again, or or stealth, or stop. Hit something, or I can't hit anything, can I? Yeah, you can stealth from Strad there because I can't he has no line of sight to you. Stealth. But if he suddenly moved, uh, you just roll a stealth check and remember it just in case I. Fifty. <laughs> okay. So just remember it or write it down. Yep. It'll only happen for this round. So, uh, cool. Uh, just for clarity, where Emil is, if we were to take a ranged attack or a spell attack at Strada, is that at a disadvantage? Uh, yes. It is? Yes. Okay. Did Emil actually get to attack him? No, just got next to him, yeah. yeah. Okay. <coughs> um, so, bonus action, I'm going to click the boots of speed, uh, boots of haste, or whatever they're called. Yep. Are they red? Uh, they're green, unfortunately. Um, for my move, I'm going to go five, ten. Yeah. And then, so that would be another five, then ten. So it's five, ten, and then fifteen, twenty-five, thirty, thirty-five, which then, which then halved, so it's doubled, isn't it? So that means, yeah, and that gives me an extra four. Five or ten foot, I think. So that's five. Remember, it's half speed moving through the areas. With yeah, because I'm doubling my speed because of the boots. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, cool. 
So, and then, and I can get to there, and then I'm going to uh, stealth. Cool. Um, and that's it. That will Position be the right disadvantage because he can see you. Uh, okay, then. Yeah, one back, yeah, or there. Uh, here is best. There? Yeah. Okay, so then I'll stealth there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so that's just a straight up stealth roll, is it? Yep. That is a 7 plus 11 for 18. Nice. Cool. Uh, Kazan? Why, why are the rogues so far forward? I don't know. Just, just preparing for everyone well, else yeah. to come on. I'm going to Zephyr Strike. Okay. Um, yeah. Which means I can, I just waited out, I can get through the bats and next to Strahd if I stay on this side of him. Okay. Um, but I only get one attack, right? You do need. Do, but I get it with advantage because of Zephyr Strike. And I miss. Yes. Oh, no. But I keep the advantage until it lands because of Zephyr Strike. So I, the advantage rolls. I'll check. Okay. Right. So I miss. So, yeah, Strahd just dodges back out of the way <coughs> as you, you, you're using your, your sentient spear, Kavan. As you strike forward, Strahd just dodges straight out of the way. Uh, that makes it Strahd. Oh, yeah. Mm. I'm sure we can use some spells at this point. Oh, his lips are frozen. I know, it doesn't. I, I can give myself advantage, but then it's expended. Yeah. So it's only silence in. It's not on Strahd, is it? <coughs> no, it stayed over there. Yeah. That's annoying. Um, Strahd is going to go here to not provoke. And he is going to cast lightning. It's a black lightning. Lightning. Uh, the last lightning. one that he used, yeah. Uh, dexterity saves from those two. Which I get plus D4. Okay, so I get save plus D4 plus yeah. D6. And I'm not in your plus D4. I'm miles away. 20. Pass. Is good. The other ones are male, so you need to roll it. Oh, yes, sorry. Can somebody just roll a d20 for me? Yep. Uh, he's got that. Plus three. 18. 21. Good. Uh, so he also passes. Uh, and Lightning Bolt does. 486. So it's 26 points of damage, halved for those who passed it. So 13 for Emil. Oh, it's passed it for 13. Yeah. For Emil and 13 right. damage onto Kazam. And Amelia. Amelia. I'm still above 100 hit points, it's fine. It's um, still 10% in one hit. Strahd is fine for now. Boswell. Cast something. Sword out. Doesn't it do damage? Keep the sword out. It does do regular damage, yeah. Does it do it at start or end of his move? Does when you just... activate it, you can do it at any point. Okay, so. Well, technically, I, you've already activated it. Right? Right? Oh, yeah, so you did activate it. That's yeah. why you <laughs> backed off before. He looks like he's ready to back off, but realizes that you quite you don't quite have the time to get to him and strike him this turn, so he holds ground. Okay. Um, well, technically, as the sword damage? is on. Yeah, does the radiant damage. Uh, is there a D8? Somewhere. Oh, that's right. Cool. Uh, so, three points of damage. Every little helps. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> nice. And then with my action. It's a Tesco attack. <laughs> Great time for some wild magic. Yeah. Oh, actually, I could do <laughs> get the worm armor again. That was hilarious. It's always good time for go some go gadget armor and get that sun sword a bit further along. Oh no, that's gonna hit someone, isn't it? Just the expendable. Just the meal. <laughs> 10, 15, 20. You're all mean. Yeah. 
We don't know him. How do diagonals work for like range of spells? Uh, what what are you trying to do? A so cone or a? If like a fireball landed there, would it then be twenty? How would how far out is twenty feet? Uh, five exactly as moving. Oh, so like twenty. So if you put it there, way. it'd be five fifteen, and you'd get a meal. Yeah. But even if it there, that'd be. Oh yes, it would still hit everyone. If you put it in the corner, it would hit Strahd. Five, ten, fifteen, and core. <laughs> both both expendable. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not. I can't actually see there, so I will do. Burning hands are still going to get people. Yes, it is. This is the problem with uh, uh, spells. <laughs> seems to get hurt in the meeting. Right, I'm going to have to do a scorching ray then. Okay. Yeah, I'll just do a normal scorching ray. So I'm going to fire three bolts at Strahd. Yes. Plus D4 to hit. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So first one. Do them separately. Just first one first. Does that make a difference? Plus first D4. one. And a plus D4. Yep. For 20. <coughs> 20. Not an actual 20. Oh wait, sorry, I've got my extra. Yeah, you you add your spell all the time. 25. Hits. There we go. So do your damage. Uh, it's just two. Yeah, just two to six. Five. Okay, uh, at that point, Strahd didn't think you'd hit me, and he sort of blurs into two forms, and two of them appears. Okay. Oh, okay. yes. So you now have a 50% miss chance as you need to basically hit one of them. They stood next to each other? These, yes, they stood in, in exactly the same square, directly next to each other, okay. doing exactly the same thing. So there is a perfect mirror image. Of Would them. I have already decided to fire three bolts at yes. the same target? Uh, yeah, you. I mean, no, you can. You can, can sort of just go because they're so close to each other. You can now, yes, do one at each. It's not no, too strong. So split to go one at each. Okay, so fair. Um, so just is this still gonna be a normal? Roll? Yeah, normal attack roll. So, so do I need to tell which one, or does it matter? No, I'll I'll roll the fifty percent. Okay, so first one. Twenty one. Misses. because that's a lot lower. Yep, so both of them, the, the first one does manage to just about get through his magical shield and burns through, but it doesn't seem to do anything when it finally come, contacts him. The second one flies over over the top of his head, smashing okay. into the crypt behind him. Uh, Boswell done. Braylon. Oh, I'm going to take another hit die quick. Yeah, fine. Oh, dear. Um, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Braylon. Yeah, I'm in a good position for everyone else. I'm hopefully giving one some good shielding now. Um, yeah, big up what you're good at. Big up what I'm good at, exactly. Uh, I'm in a stealth mode here. If I was to move here, though, that I might I'm, I come out of stealth, right? Or am I still in stealth at this point? Yeah, I'm still can... in stealth, but you okay. can get a roll to see you. Um, I'm going to shoot. Oh, I'm going to activate the staff with a hand on it so this oh is God. a uh, I'm glad I'm over here <coughs> yeah, um, I've got a wall of bats between I might actually I might actually move to somewhere I'm like right here next to <coughs> Matt here, where is the second like star standing in the same square okay oh, this is just yeah, the illusion is going to be next to each other the illusion is going to be a pain yeah um, sure let's see what this thing does so this is a staff with a dead hand um, nailed to the top of it it seems to be some kind of arcane staff. 
the, to be clear, nobody knows what it does. Yep. Um, Braylon's going to use it in an epic fight anyway. Is, I will, yep. I, it's, yeah, it's made its way to me for some reason, so let's let's do this. Um, oh. So the activation word is Krells. And <laughs> what, what else do I need to do from this point on? It just goes off. You got a 50% miss chance, so roll a d6. On a 4-up, you hit the correct image of Strahd. Yes, nope. I got a 1 on a d6. So black energy comes out of the hand at okay. the end and strikes into one of the images of Strahd. So okay. there seems to be no impact at all. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. But okay. it looks pretty powerful as you use it. But on the illusion, it did nothing. Well, you don't know it's an illusion. I don't yeah, know it, it hits into one of the two okay. images. And you have no idea, and nothing happens. So that's one of its free charges. Yeah. Um, I'm then that's going to um, do a hit point. Um, get hit points back. It's the okay. cave, isn't it? Thanks. And that is me done. So I'll do Emil and four. Uh, Mariano. I, I put you ahead just because okay. I'll forget every time if I don't. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, I'm going to. Is am I still holding on to arena? Yep. Cool. You can so carry on moving at half speed. Where does the wall of bats start here, or still coming out? Uh, it's still coming out. Yeah, you're in it at the moment. Um, so you need to get out. Yes, I do. Um, it's half movement, isn't it? I'm going to yep. drag arena through the bats, which you won't is, enjoy. Is that okay. quarter movement? Uh, yes, it will be quarter <laughs> movement. So, so half for moving one through. Square, yep. Two squares. That's 40 <laughs> feet of movement. Yeah, so I can't actually can't do that. Well, yeah. you can double move if you use your action to move again. All right, cool. Yeah, we'll you do that. Across. Makes sense. That's You're just like dragging Arena through this flock of bats. Well, she can't know. retreat through the bats, so she's better on this side. No, but you've got enough. 30 feet of move. You get you spend 40 getting through. You've got another 20. Yeah. So, you can, so now so you, you can move one more square. One more square. Which no, which I did. Yeah. She did. If you still your action, that's fine. Is that your action? Um, <coughs> that's the action as well to do yeah, the extra yeah, move. Yeah, okay. Emil. I get to persuade her. She can't retreat there at that. Attempts to attack Strahd twice uh, with his claws. Misses and misses. Strahd just backs off. First one completely swipes into the air. Second one, Strahd's magical shield blank comes up and <laughs> clang against the shield. This is why we don't care if he dies. Kokyo. <laughs> Okay. Five, ten. New round, right? New round. Yes. So, does he get a chance to see me? Uh, yep. His perception is twenty-five. Sees me. I can't move. <laughs> 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 Fifteen. Twenty-five. Yep. Ice. How high is the wall of ice? Uh, ten feet. No, it's ten feet long. One foot. Wide. One foot wide. I didn't know the height. Should we imply that it's yes. quite high? Yes. I mean, I'd say it before I go to the ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. Wall. Let's just make Bill it to the, to the ceiling. Yeah. yeah. It actually but says you can stand on either a side hemispherical dome or sphere of radius up to ten feet. Or you can shake it on a flat surface. Or you can shake it on a flat surface. So it would it would it would have filled those. My two idea squares. is it was so on it the is filling those two squares. I thought it was yeah. it was in the middle of those two squares on the floor. But it's hemispherical, ten feet up, right? Maximum, so it would be right. maximum ten feet high. Did you want okay. to? You were trying to block the crit, and we're and get twenty feet high in this crit. Yeah, I just might need to hit Strahd. The wall, yeah, the the ceiling is like twenty feet high, but you yeah. don't want to walk through it. So don't do I? you want to remove no. your? No. <laughs> <laughs> Buzzle just goes no. Yeah. I'm back here then, and I'm like, no wait, I was starting there, so. 
You can still get in here. It's not being very nice, is it? It's, well, yeah, what's the fine? 5, 10, 15, 20. 5. Kill everyone. Uh, and I attack him. Attack him good. Take it. 26. Hits. Nice. Okay. Wow. Silvered. Silvered. Oh, that's a terrible roll. 5, 7, 8, 9 damage. Silvered. Silvered. Yep. And disengage. That was um, yeah. Okay, uh, he is gonna take his uh, legendary action. Emil is just in it. No, he's not in a crypt. Should be in front of So he's gonna unf. Well, he's already got both of his wings unfurled. He shields, sheathes his sword, and flies up. Emil gets an attack of opportunity. Five, ten, fifteen. It's just gone through the wall of ice, right? Yeah. Uh, over the top of it. You said it was going oh, to the ceiling. 10, I thought it was like 10 feet high, 20 foot high room. Yeah. Okay. So right. Rude. So he's going to move <coughs> to here. Good luck, Adam. That's his move for now. So is Emil does attack cool. opportunity. I can move through <laughs> squares that my um, fellow adventurers are on, right? Yeah. Yes. As long as you don't end in a square occupied by somebody. Else. No, I'm gonna, I'm going to move to here. Okay. I'm going to attempt to do a level two guiding bolt. Okay. Oh, they were good, weren't they? Um, which is got a plus six and a plus D four because of bless. Is that right? I don't know. But it's a hit roll, right? Yeah. It yeah. Is. So. So that's a 10, 13, it's only a 19. Misses. The okay. shield that Strahd has up just goes straight in the way of the guiding bolt. Okay. Smashes against it. Uh, and then as uh, bonus action, I can move again, can't I? Yes. So it will move into here. Okay. Yep. Uh, Kazan? From where I am, I can move five feet and attack him twice, or I could do a move and attack him once, right? Yes. I want to protect Arena, I'm going to Zephyr Strike. So I'll go um, five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50. And put okay. myself nice. between her. Wow. Yeah. Speedy yeah, you appear directly in front of Strahd. A miss. Uh, <laughs> okay. I um. Give yourself your advantage. I will play a luck. Okay. Do I re-roll the d4 as well? It's the whole roll, so I'll allow it. Yeah. And I still miss. <laughs> okay. So again, you thrust out with Kavan, but Strahd dodges deftly back out of the way. Uh, <coughs> still two of them. So still manages to just strike an air in between the two images. Um, Strahd. He... You are within provokes. Yeah, he's going to provoke. So, Kazan, you get an attack of opportunity as he attempts to fly past grappling arena. A post-strength check, because you're still grappling. You missed. You hit. Oh, oh, oh did God. You? Matt, you I did actually. A dexterity Matt, roll <laughs> to see if you can. I'd like to go. 
Oh, okay, fine. I completely failed to add my to hit roll to that hit, so I did hit it easily. Okay. Uh, <laughs> 27. It, it, it does like help. That. And that's a 27 as well, so, okay. um, so, so I hit twice. Two, yeah, that's fine. Plus D8 for the force damage on the first one. Yep. So that would have been a total of 6, 13, 17, uh, 33. You have Kazan as well, is it? Okay. Kazan. Kazan. Uh, two he, seems to, he seems to actually have a cut on him. Wow. From this. Okay. What? If he can wow. bleed. I'll try to remember to add my plus nine to him. Yep. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay. Uh, I was like, why am I rolling so bad? As he flies <laughs> past you, you stab into the back of him, but you see that the cut heals back up again as he flies away. Class act this rather He than grabs Irina. It is silvered. Kavan is silvered. Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's worth a try. Kavan isn't the same sort of player. Yeah. Or the original Kavan. 30. So Strahd has now abducted Arena. Yeah. And we're all he's on the other side of the screen. And he's now fly, flew and landed and has her <coughs> grabbed and is ready to bite down onto her. Do we kill Arena? Boswell. Mm. He's about to. It's and almost like you should have left it in the corner. Yeah. Uh, rogues, rogues assemble. Whose go is it now? Boswell. Can I? How much of the bat's blocking the like the vision? Not really. They're starting okay. to disappear, but it'll still be half moved. But you can see through now. Um, out of Morianne and Kanzan, who's better to protect the standing next to someone? Quick decisions. I was in a dimensional door. One of yeah. us next to them. Okay. You have to be next. I can. Well, I was going to basically run up. Yeah, you can run up and then dimensional door us next to them. Sure. Um, and you're closer to Kazan. I'm going to take Kazan then because he's got the other thing. Okay. So I'm going to take a move. Um, five, ten, fifteen. Basically, I'm going sh- to shout to Kazan. I'm going to teleport you with me next to them because I can. So we need to save Arena. Okay. Okay. And so I'm going to then basically with one hand, um, I've still got the sun sword in one hand, going to use my other hand to grab onto Kazan and then look yep. at basically straight down to like these, this area. This one. And then cast Dimensional Door. Sure. He's going to try and counter spell. Okay. Roll the dice and add your um, your caster level. I'll give you some inspiration for that because that's cool. Yeah. Have advantage. Uh, I have 17. Uh, remember your D for you're okay. Yeah. You're okay. Cool. So they pop over. Uh, yep, they pop over both over to there because yeah. I'm next to Strahd. Uh Either way around that you want. Uh, no, Boswell has to turn up in the square that he could see. So it's that way around. So you could. Yep. But then he could be within time. five feet of me. Yes. So you so could oh, you could yes be here or there. Yeah. Or you could go next That's to Arena. Cool. Next to go there. Or yeah, okay, yeah. done. So yeah. visually, was that like the I mean, Harry I'll take Potter a, wizards uh, when they bonus saw action hit die? I need to get over there and really give those disadvantage attacks. So this is half move, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, just double move. Just yeah, double. I'm going to double move. Um, <coughs> it's basically twenty feet. Double to move to here. Well. Yep. And a bonus action stealth. Okay. Strada's going to take his legendary action, which doesn't provoke attacks of opportunity, to fly with Arena. Oh, God, damn it. Did I do it twice? Uh, <laughs> to here. 
It's a bit of a push. Uh, she's in a crypt. Yeah. Yeah. They are flying. But the, the crypts do go to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, Moriano. Um, That's good. And now's the time. Yeah, so um, this is the big moment. So <laughs> I'm going to go down on one knee and say, what would you have me do, my lord? Here he is, the Tenko. <laughs> Come with me. He points over towards this crypt. Cool. What? So you ready to, yeah. to do what he says? Okay. I so knew it. Ugh. At the end of that, uh, you can your ready action can go off now if you want. Cool. Right. So he gets to here with Arena. And he says, Achtung. Uh, a small circle appears on the floor mm -hmm. and both of them disappear. Mm -hmm. But not labeled. Right. Not right now. Uh, did you have 30 feet move yeah, to get to this? Five. So they, they disappear. So you now have another five. If you want to move onto the same spot, yes. it's still. The circle is still on the floor. What do you guys do? I run through the circle. Well, Emil does the same. Come back! And disappears. I've got boots of speed, right? Yep. Can boots I get there? Yep. For walking. Are we well, still doing so the same round? One, one round. No, so new round. So that's what you guys do. So you like go to verse four. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Right. So we've all did, seen him did, go. Did all of us see that? Like, no. I'm over there, so I can't no. see shit. You wouldn't have seen. Um, so, but it is Kokio. What about us two? It depends if you followed him. Well, right, I come across. Kor definitely saw it. So, Kor could shout out towards like, what's happening. Only on his turn. Yeah. And that was his turn. Oh, yeah. 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Guys, where is he? <laughs> uh, you can yell out quick. Cool. Anyone who saw, saw which it. is probably Core and cool. Kazan. He went, through, he went through a portal by the ice wall. He took Morianum with him and Morianum's in allegiance no, with him. No, too much. <laughs> it's not your turn. That was like way too long. So I, that's in my turn, so I can carry on doing it. Yes, still your turn. So there is a blue circle on the I floor. don't go in. You don't go in. No. Okay. Uh, cool. Um, I, I just, I just shout out to the rest of the party, explain what's happened. I'm not, no. I'm well, not you have to say it. it. You have to say it. Six seconds. Ready? Go. Morianna has betrayed us and went Mistral through a portal. Okay. That's your bonus action. Great. <laughs> uh, I will move to be next to Kokio. Okay. What uh, Kazan. Are the bats still there? Mm, pretty much gone now. It okay. wouldn't even hardly move. Okay. Um, I will move over to where the other two have moved to adjacent to the portal. Okay. But not go in it. Okay. Uh, Boswell. Um, I'll cast Expedious Retreat on myself so I can move an incredible pace. Yep. To basically <coughs> just move over. Fine. Like this. Brilliant. Catch up with everyone. Uh, yeah, I don't move over to the same spot. Sweet. Uh, Marianne, I'll do in a sec. You've got mm -hmm. one round in your ears. Remember that. Um, Emil has already gone through. That's yeah. fine. Uh, the circle looks like it's about to disappear. What does everybody next to it do? Are we all going to jump on it? Sorry, can, I, can I message you? It's in message you, GM. 
Uh, no, you have to make a decision very quick now. Doing, I'm the circle right. is about to disappear. We're all going through. I'm going through. Well, well, in you here. make an individual decision. Kokia disappears. Yeah. I'm going Core through. Disappears. I follow. How fast are you currently moving? Uh, 25 feet. You don't get through in time. Uh, you, uh, how fast do you move? That's me. I could, I could move. What's your speed? I have no idea, mate, unfortunately. Straight 30, 30 feet. Actually. 30 feet. You don't make it through in time. Boswell, 30. move speed 30. Uh, you do make it through. Yeah. And the portal closes. And the portal closes. I'm so happy about that. Yeah, I'm quite happy about that as well. <laughs> I, I'm being sarcastic. He's being truthful. We're going to take a quick break at that point with Strahd disappearing with his quarry, Arena. Mariana and Henry revealed himself as the traitor in the group. And you can catch the rest of the fight against Strahd in Angelcast episode 11. See you next time.